Welcome, everyone, to the Two Tongues Podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds. Where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos get here anyway? Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark. Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence. Ready or not, here we go. Here we go, here we go. Here we go. <clears throat> Back at it again. I'm just going to let the music play a little longer than normal. Just let it, just let it fade, fade out. Fade out, yeah. yeah. It's cool. Yeah, it's very it's cool. It's the cool thing to do. Oh, God. We'll just let it, we'll just let it play at this volume for the Set rest of the, the podcast. How does it do that? Will it play? Can we yeah. have background music? I'm pretty sure we can have background music. That's kind of cool. It is kind of cool, but then you gotta, i got to figure all of it out. We got buttons, you know. We can put all kinds of sound effects on here and be like uh, the old radio guys. And like, you don't have that many buttons. Listen, I do. I have eight buttons on this mixer. However, oh, there's the outro. There's the intro. Okay, good. Music is over. So, um, th- there's an app though that goes with the mixer, and oh. I can have like way more sound effects. Oh, okay. So you can down. There's a bunch already on there. Nice. Yeah, I don't know. We I should d- start doing that. I never really tried it. Let me open it up. Here. Like some drops going on, you know, mm. some uh, fart noises. Wait, here it is. Um, here it is. Here. Some of those old timey horns. Oh, you know, I don't know what when we would drop that in. Talking about uh, ladies, maybe. See, I'm messing with it. I'm messing with the technology right now. Oh, oh, dude, we can have a laugh track. Yep, but We're I'm gonna be like Seinfeld. But I just hit. I just hit play and it didn't work. So. Bumper. Oh, I mean, here, this is the one. Oh, it doesn't work this way. Listen, we're not going to mess with the technology. We're going to figure this out at another date. How have we not done any of this yet? <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good question. We've been doing this for almost a year. I wonder what some of these noises even are. See, we're I, a, we're I, a substance podcast. We don't need right. these fucking sound effects. We don't need bells and whistles. I do want them, though. It's all about quality. Mm-hmm. It's all about... It's all about interviewing white nationalists who burp on your podcast <laughs> three times. Uh, well, Josh did too. He not three True. times, but he did. He's not a white nationalist, though. No, of course not. No, no, he would he would have some words. Yeah. Um, all right, hey man, uh, I haven't seen you in a week. What's um, up, dude? How 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 have you been? I'm all right. What's new? Um, you know what is new is uh, I'm thinking about moving eventually. You know, buying my own property as opposed to renting interesting and i'm looking at vermilion down the road here interesting it's nice man it is nice it's very i probably shouldn't be telling people that but (laughs) i don't fucking care it's very rural yeah Um, exactly because of the county the taxes are probably low um you could probably get a good deal although you know real estate's crazy right now you can get a good deal i've been looking on a zillow and there are some decent looking houses for like not bad prices so well listen if you if you become serious at some point about it zillow's not the place oh yeah i know I, i'm just like looking you right, know right. like just, just like looking idea. at houses yeah yeah you yeah. Know? yeah yeah but the, but the thing is zillow doesn't update so you you find one you like and then you go and it's gone it's gone yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, also, get your pre-approval for your financing before you even start looking. Because yeah. the moment you want a house, you want to put an offer on it, and it takes you five days to, to put an offer because you didn't do your paperwork. What do I got to do to do a pre-approval? You just go to you just go to a bank. I would go to a credit union um, okay. because the rates are typically better. You go to a local credit union. You, you they'll ask you for all your W twos and shit, and oh, then they'll shit. they'll, t- they'll tell you that paycheck stubs and shit. They'll, they'll tell you what amount that you get approved for and then that way you're ready to go so if you want to make an offer you already have the financing got it because people it's so hot right now people that hansel is so hot right now <laughs> that uh what's you, that movie zoolander you yeah I, know, I knew the movie but i just couldn't think of the name of it i knew it was oh, yeah. the male models with ben stiller and <laughs> yeah, the yeah. blue steel yeah you want to have a gasoline fight <laughs> he died he died in a freak gasoline fight accident <laughs> oh man shout out to matthew uh, <laughs> uh, what else, man? What else is new? What were we talking about? It's buying houses in oh, Vermilion. Oh, yeah, buying houses. But I really like Vermilion, Huron, that area. Yeah. I had to drive out there to take a part to a person, one of the techs, this week. And yep. I was like, I'm I'm moving here. This is great. <laughs> Just because there's, like, nothing there? It's yeah, wide open? man. It's wide open. Like, big yards. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, that's the place for me. Did like, you... You know, I, I, almost an hour away from the city. Yeah, yeah. Did you see Milan while you were out there? Did you look at... I, I didn't go to Milan. I drove through Huron, Vermilion, and, like, part of Berlin Heights. Okay. Um, I bring up Milan. We're given a lot of geographical information. We sure are. But we it sure are. Yeah, GPS, GPS is fucks. So, anyway, um, so Milan is the birthplace of Thomas Edison. And the, his, the house that he lived in when he was a kid is there, and it's, like, a historical monument. And it's pretty cool. That is cool. You can, like, tour it. Thomas Edison was Thomas kind of Edison. a dick. Did you hear about what he did to that elephant? I did. I did. Fucking hear asshole, it. man. Yeah, I, I did. And you know what's the worst part about it is Thomas Edison killed an elephant publicly to make a spectacle, a terrifying and gross spectacle on purpose because he wanted to prove that Tesla's technology, the alternating current, was way more dangerous than his technology, the direct current. So he was just trying to bury the competition. And to do that, he killed a fucking elephant in front of everybody in New York City, right? Yeah. God damn. Fucking Thomas Edison, man. Couldn't do that today. You know, I don't think I knew he was from Ohio. I'm sure I probably learned that back in elementary school, like during the Ohio unit. (laughs) There's There's a lot of historical... There's more presidents from Ohio than any other state... When I was in, I think it was third grade, we had to do this little, like, scrapbook mm. of Ohio shit, right? Yep. And I I altered history in my mind to say that Mike Tyson was from Ohio because I wanted him to be. <laughs> I like, took a picture of him, like, glued it in there. I was like, he was from Ohio. Yeah. So yeah. Actually, Buster Douglas, the guy who beat him, was from Ohio. Oh, shit. Interesting. Yeah. See, even Buster Douglas. Yeah. Got several presidents. Uh, It's weird how often Ohio comes up in, like, pop culture. You know, I don't know if it's just because it's, like, right there in the center of the country. I don't know what it is, but it pops up all the time. You know where it pops up is uh, both... Both uh, young Jamie and Brian Redman are from yeah, Columbus. Absolutely, Tony Hinchcliffe from Ohio. Oh, is to- yeah, yeah, it's from Toledo Youngstown. or Youngstown. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, so there's all the presidents plus Tony Hinchcliffe, Dave Grohl, Dave Grohl. Yeah. Plus you and me. It's yeah, like a, exactly. a who's who of human Al beings. Snow. Al Snow. Yeah. The fuck is Al Snow? What does everybody want? Head. You don't know Al Snow? You really? You, that's uh, not. I'm totally, he's a wrestler. <laughs> oh shit! I'm blanking. He's like an old school. From, well, I don't know, maybe after the era that you watched. Matt knows who Al Snow is. Shout out to Matthew. Yep. 
Shout out to Mike, <coughs> shout out to Michael Clyde. Shout out to Dave Howell. <clears throat> All right. Um, who else? Um, that's the only people I know that like wrestling. Um, shout out to Colin. Colin yeah. yeah. Shout out to shout out to Colin. Colin. Yeah. Uh, you said you wanted to bitch about some stuff. Hold on, wait. Before we do dive into that, what's? I'm just. I mean, it, the stuff that I'm bitching about is not even big issues, but. Well. But go ahead. What were you gonna say? I was gonna. I was just asking myself, what's new with me? What what's, is new with you? What's new with you, Chris? Um. Not a whole lot. I did visit. I visited the family yesterday. That was nice. That is nice. Don't no. you hate when people ask you like, "What's new?" Sometimes it's like now I gotta. I, I either have to like scrape the bottom of the barrel to fucking find <laughs> something to tell you, or I look like a loser who just doesn't ever do anything. You know, you're like, "What's new?" And I'm like, "Oh, nothing." You know, I just been, I've been sitting in this exact spot since the last time yeah, you asked yeah, me. Yeah, that. yeah, that's right. It's fucking I, annoying, man. I, yeah, I had a moment. I had a moment that that reminded me of when I was trick or treating with the kids. Um, so there were some adults that were wearing some really gnarly costumes. One of them was an alien and it had the hands also. Yeah. So it was like a robe with a mask, but it also had the rubber hands. Sweet. And they were super duper trippy. And I was dressed as uh, my best rendition of uh, throwing together Sherlock Holmes because Saw that. I didn't have a costume. So it was like... Saw that on the gram. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was like, well, what, what do you have, Chris? You have a pipe. You have, a, you have an old-fashioned pipe. You got a sports coat. Your wife got you from the uh, from the Goodwill. It's a camel hair suit coat. Fits me beautifully. It's looking from, good. Yeah. It's from 1981. You certainly don't have a deerstalker cap. That was not a deerstalker. No, cap. I didn't have a deerstalker cap, so I was wearing. I was wearing. It sufficed though. Yeah, I was wearing one of those old timey hats. You get the idea. And anyway, I'm trick or treating, and I and I stopped to look at this crazy alien lady with her hands because it was that was the hands that made the difference. It was like, because it had long fingers, they were rubber, they were kind of moving, and it just got me. I was like, oh, it was just dark enough, you know? And I was like, this this, this is real. This is real. <laughs> and and she didn't say anything. She was perfectly quiet, yeah, even though there was other people around it. talking. Yeah, selling it, selling it, right? And uh, so the guy next to her said, oh, look, it's Sherlock Holmes. And I was like, oh, shit, this guy gets it. <laughs> but he set me up, like, to say something as though I were Sherlock Holmes. And all I could think of was elementary, my dear Watson. And it wasn't creative enough, so I just sat there thinking, trying to think up, <laughs> trying to think up another so another line, funny. and I'm just staring at this guy. <laughs> Meanwhile, what for is, like what? for an un, for an uncomfortably long time. Yeah. Meanwhile, the alien next to her is distracting me, and I can't come up with any. I, you I couldn't come. Just up. said elementary, my dear Watson. I just I just walked away. I no, just walked. I did. I just walked away. I was oh, like, oh, dude, that's as that's as good as it's gonna that's get. That's the best. You didn't say anything. You no, just walked just away. Just walked away. You should have just said elementary, my dear Watson. I should have. But it didn't seem good enough. And after the pause, it definitely didn't seem good enough. It was I mean, like, that was, what are you building up here for? And then I, I think just, what you did do was the best case scenario. That's great. I wonder if I made him feel like uh, like he got punked, you know? Like, this guy just stared at me for a minute and didn't yeah. even respond. He just walked away like a yeah, you yeah. fool. You're like, I'm out here with my fucking kids, I'm not- dude. I don't want to be dressed as Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> you just walked away uh, from him. Yep, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. <clears throat> oh, boy. Man. That's funny as hell. So I went to visit my family. Yeah, how'd that go? Uh, it was good. It was um, my uh, my sister's youngest daughter's birthday, so it was like a bunch of little girls running around, and uh, we were all the the men there were trying to watch football. Yeah, it was an interesting interesting day for football. But um, guys spanked Purdue. They did, I, and my dad was super afraid that that you know they've ruined our season before, and mm-hmm. they ruined Michigan State's season last week. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. They're they're season ruiners. Purdue. Per, per didn't do it this per time. Per didn't do it. Not this um, week. They didn't. Uh, uh, somebody on the, the radio called them the spoiler makers, and I thought, I thought that's appropriate because that's kind of that's the, that's how I remember them. Yeah, that's what they've done to us. 
Yeah, I remember that year. Or probably more than one, but I remember the most recent one. I don't fucking... I, I do not watch sports. I don't know if we've talked about this before on the podcast, but, like, at, you know, all the dudes that I know, for the most part, they all like sports, you yeah, know? I don't fucking care about sports at all. I used to like MMA a little bit, and I guess I still do. Like, I... You know, I'll watch some MMA. It's exciting. Uh, what I won't do is stay up till fucking one in the morning mm-hmm. to watch Conor McGregor break his goddamn leg. No. Um, yeah, I just don't. I don't fucking care, man. Yeah. And like today, uh, I was buying this Monster Energy drink. Um, Shout out to Monster Energy drink. <laughs> and uh, these dudes, the there was a long line at the convenience store, and these dudes were talking about sports, and it was just like the most boring conversation that I've ever yeah. had to endure in my life. Um, yeah, I don't zero know. interest. But it's worse than that for me because it's not it's not just sports. Now I like sports as much as the next guy, but mostly just football and a little bit of fighting, like you said. Um, but I never I never got into it into it growing up to, to the level even of my wife. So she knows stuff that I don't know, mm-hmm. like the names of plays and shit. Oh, yeah. I, I, That's a hook waggle. No, yeah, no, no, no. And she knows the names of like lots of players, and I don't, you know, I know the the star players, the yeah. ones that make me remember them. Tom Brady. The rest of them can earn it, motherfuckers, earn it better, yeah. and then I'll remember you. Yeah, make a play. Point is, it's kind of embarrassing even to talk about sports, like you say, with guys that that know about sports with my wife, because I can't open up my mouth without revealing that she's she knows more of it than me, and she's more of she's more legit. She's she, her testosterone levels are higher, apparently. Yeah. And it's worse than that for me because it's also not just sports. It's guns and cars. Oh, okay. And I like guns and cars as much as the next guy, but I don't know shit about them. Yeah. Never learned, you know? So we start talking about cars and guns, and I'm exactly in exactly the same position where I'm like, don't open your mouth, man. <laughs> and you're like, let's talk about some philosophy, bitch. Yeah. Then I'll put you in your place. Yeah. Have you ever noticed how guns are like... Remind you that you're God. Let's let's go in that direction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I feel the same way on a lot of those issues. Pretty pretty much both of those. Although I I don't really like. Well, I, I like guns. I don't really know a ton about guns. But there are other two. It's like I don't know. I guess I'm appreciating cars more now for some reason. Like I just think that cars are a little bit cooler than I did when I was. I didn't used to give a fuck about cars. Interesting. Um, you never saw cars as a way of getting women? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I never, like, really... I, I would like cars for that reason. Like, if I had an Escalade, chicks would be into me for some reason, you know? Some, but, chicks, like, I some was, chicks would. Yeah. I was never like, yeah, I'm going to get the Escalade, whatever. Like, know all the fucking stats about it. Like, yeah, I just yeah. don't fucking care. Yeah. Um, and the same with football, it's like or like sports in general. It's like not only do I not know about them like you, you like them, but you just don't really know. I don't fucking care. I don't want to talk mm. about it. Um, what does it say about women that all you need is a nice car, and certain types of women will will give you the time of day who wouldn't otherwise? It's a strange mm. thing. It's a strange thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it says anything necessarily bad about women as a whole. Um, I mean, I think that no. I mean, I'm not saying bad. I'm just saying, what's the what's the rationale? Like where your mind goes is like a nice car, so it, it's a symbol of wealth, mm-hmm. and maybe that's and maybe that's where the part of the attraction comes from. Because you know, I'm not saying anything shallow about a woman, but if you have a choice between a man who can provide and one who doesn't, who are you going to pick? Yeah, you know, it's a it's a, 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 a <laughs> signal really. But if you go back to like when we were teenagers, 
and you could first drive. Nobody had a sweet car. Yeah. Nobody had a sweet car. But the, but the fact that you could drive, and the other dudes <coughs> and the other dudes couldn't. Yeah, you're a step gave up. you a leg up. Yeah. And even if you were a schlemiel, schlemiel, that girls wouldn't give you any time of day beforehand. They said, "Oh shit, this guy's got a '91 Honda Accord with a big rust spot in the in the, in the rear fender, yeah. but he can he can drive me to the mall." Suddenly, yeah. I'm interested. Is it you know? So how do you explain that? You know, it's not a nice car. It's just a status symbol. It's still a status symbol. I guess you're right. I guess it is still a status symbol. And then you go back to the times when like the very first. Cars were built, and only certain people had them. Yeah, that that was the that was the peak. You think before that it was like carriages, you know, like this dude's got a fucking tricked out carriage. I, I mean, probably. Yeah, I got one carriage story. You want to hear it? Yeah, of course. I learned one interesting carriage story in my life, and it goes like goes like this. Oh, you're gonna tell me you got blown in the back of a carriage one time or something? No, no, no. The back of a trailer one time. Trailer? Yeah, right, cool. Like a white we'll hear that something. story next. Let's go with the carriage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, carriage story. Okay, so um, when I was in high school, I learned about this dude named Erasmus Darwin. Oh yeah. And I'm like, that Darwin sounds familiar. I feel like I know a guy named Darwin, but it certainly is not Erasmus Darwin. Turns out this is Charles Darwin's grandpappy. That's funny. I was gonna say grandpappy too. Well, you were saying yeah, that, that exact word. Wow, it was Chuck, it was Chuck Dizzle's grandpappy, yep. and uh, we all know who Chuck Dizzle is. You, you know, theory, yeah, he theory of evolution into a very prominent scientist. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he so did. Stupid. Yes, he did evolve into a very prominent scientist with a terrific beard. Uh, in any case, listen, uh, Charles Darwin got away with. Uh, Rape? With, no. No. With putting out the theory of evolution at a time when it was just barely acceptable from like a religious perspective. So what I'm saying is like the society was ready for it. It had become scientific enough. Science had become successful enough that somebody could say some shit that undermined God. And people were like, we'll allow it. We'll allow it. We'll yeah. allow it. So what's interesting is Charles Darwin's grandpa tried to do that in his day. Yeah. So people don't know that. Charles Darwin got a lot of his ideas about evolution from his grandfather. Yep. His grandfather was around during that uh, Jean-Baptiste Baptiste Lamarck who we talked about, the Lamarckian dude. Uh, history lesson aside, Charles Darwin's grandpa wrote a book called Zoonomia. And this motherfucker basically said everything Charles Darwin said about how life got here and evolved. And he was rich. The Darwins were a wealthy family. So this guy had nice fucking wagons. What, oh, what, what, do, you, what do you call carriages. them? Carriages. Yeah. He had nice carriages. And, he, and he, had, <laughs> he had painted on the side of his carriage. Now, I just got to say, this guy couldn't get like traction scientifically. He was very smart. He was a mem member fellow of the Royal Society of England. He's like one of these prestigious academic guys in his time. Wealthy, you know, that's the kind of guy that can influence people. His ideas didn't go anywhere because the religion wouldn't wouldn't have it at the time. So this motherfucker paints on the side of his carriage like detailed pinstriping on the side of his carriage. I don't know what the Latin phrase is, so I just have to give you the the translation but it was in latin across the side of his carriage all from shells all from shells and the implication was that life evolved from the ocean that that's where it started and it came up out of the ocean over over you know billions of years um 
that was some heretical shit at the time. Mm-hmm. This guy didn't just write it in a book and try to publish it with the Royal Society. He painted it across his fucking carriage. Yeah. And that's actually what did him in. Oh yeah, because people it it, it wasn't no, it wasn't clever was. enough. Okay. It wasn't clever enough, right? So they're like this fucking guy, and that basically is what buried him publicly, which is why I never heard about him. You know, yeah, until and, way later. And it's why most of the people listening here probably never heard of him. Erasmus. Erasmus. That's a good name. Mm-hmm. Good strong name. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Then Charles came along. What? What? I mean, he was still when Charles Darwin came out with that theory. That was during a time, I'm sure, when there were people who were violently opposed to it. Oh, yeah. You know? Um, now, it's like the prevalent way of thinking on in some way. That, no, that's very true. And, and it, what it reminds me of is you could fast forward from the time of Darwin, the 1800s. You could fast forward all the way to the, uh, the monkey trials. Remember? Mm-hmm. When they were talking about teaching evolution in school. I want to say that was the 20s or 30s. Something like that. 20s, and I think. Something yeah. like that. So it was still hotly contentious all the way up until like the modern time. Yep. You know, but now we're just like, yeah, we fucking came from monkeys. You know, I honestly wonder how much we, what am I trying to say here? I wonder how much the prevailing attitude is that science has won, you know, and how much of it is just that that is what we're being told people Mm. think, you know what I mean? That's interesting. Because let me tell you, I know a whole bunch of people personally mm-hmm. who don't think that that's how things happened, you know? Yeah, so I, and I know those people and I have them in my family and is circles as well, so I know what you mean. But I think those, the people who vehemently disagree with the theory of evolution by natural selection, those are people who don't largely, not yeah. exclusively, they largely don't understand what it actually teaches. Because those are the people that see the picture on the front of the of the origin of species and yeah. never and never actually open it up. Mm-hmm. That say, "Oh, monkeys turn into man." I didn't come from no monkey. I, I didn't come from that. no monkey, right? And then I I've tried. I'm like, look, there's actually a, a little bit of a different spin here. It's about a common ancestor. It goes back a long time. And let's let's have this conversation. They're just like, <coughs> yeah, hell no, hell, <laughs> <laughs> hell no. Yeah, uh, okay, so uh, where were we? I don't um, evolution. Uh, evolution. What we were talking about? We we're talking about carriages. But prior to that, prior to that, we were talking about you're supposed to be bitching about something. What was that? Oh, just you know. Anytime we get to this time of year, November ish, the fucking traffic, man, it just sucks dick. People are out shopping. People oh. are out on like weekends and like mm. you know. I just fucking hate it. That's it. Yeah. I, I just like. It's weird to me that we have this. I don't know, like some kind of cultural event at the end of the year that like pushes people to go shopping more. It sure does, man. It's weird. I mean, I don't even, I'm not even like uh, lamenting it as some kind of bad thing for our culture. I don't really, I don't know how I feel about it in that respect. I just don't like traffic. That's it. So you know what it makes me think of? Like we just had daylight savings and it yeah. was, it was the good version. Yeah, it yeah. was the good version, mm-hmm. and it still pisses everybody off. It pisses me off. Anybody that has young kids, you're like, hey, we're just gonna shake up your sleeping situation twice a year for, for fucking fun. We're yeah, just gonna yeah. we're just gonna make it weird for you, for your whole house. It's like we get super pissed when something that we can usually rely on gets changed un, unexpectedly. Even if you're driving to work and there's like an accident or a street's closed and you're like I gotta make a different right that I'm accustomed to making it, mm-hmm. something small like that pisses people off but somehow we all agree that once a year 
we're going to shake everything up <coughs> to your point the stores are going to be busier you know we're all going to be obligated to to buy certain things traffic's going to be worse everyone's in a bad mood everybody's stuck at Walmart trying to buy Christmas presents in line with a thousand other assholes is in a bad mood. Do you know how fucking much I hate going to Walmart, man? Oh, dude, it's the worst. I can't be the only one. No. I don't care about the savings. I don't want to go there ever. Mm-mm. No, the savings are not worth it. It's not worth it. Mm-mm. I don't even really, I can't put my finger on what it is, but if I go there and I'm there for more than 10 minutes, I'm in a bad mood, man. Pretty much exactly the same. I, I don't refuse to go there, but I will look for any excuse not to. I mean, I've been to Walmart in the last month, I think. So, yeah. when I was living in Columbus, I would spend I would spend like twenty percent more, maybe thirty percent more on my groceries. It go to Kroger and just to avoid Walmart. Yeah, you know. Fuck Walmart. Fuck Walmart. Um, shout out to uh, shout out to shout out to Sam Walton though. That guy was an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Hey, what do you think of all this stuff with? Uh, Oh, why, don't fuck, you, why don't you stop coughing on the podcast? Dude, the fucking the vapes, man. The vapes, they absolutely do get me. They do. They're like they burn hotter or something. They do get you, man. Yeah, like uh, you know, I don't know. Well, we'll just <laughs> vapes. They're not good for you, I think. Um, what were I, you gonna say? I can't remember now, but I but I want to know. I, I got you. Uh, I got you one of the same sort of vape batteries that I use. What do you think of it? I like it. Me too, man. I've, Looks I've, like a pipe. I've given many of them away because they look cool, but they do look. Cool. They're also very like compact and. Yep, it's nice. Yeah, I like it. Um, what were you gonna ask? I feel like I feel like you started getting something out there. That was something good too. I bet probably. All right. Uh, what what else you got to bitch about? Um. Oh, we were talking about that's what it was. We were talking about how inconvenient, how how the Christmas season creates oh, all yeah. these inconveniences, and it's like something like daylight savings can like r- upset the apple cart badly. And Christmas, the Christmas season is way worse in upsetting the apple cart. It's not just two hours in your sleeping pattern that you can get used to in a week. It's a month and a half long where everything changes. And you think, yeah, exactly. The holiday season. Um, you know, and I feel like a dick complaining about it because, I mean, it's like, oh, you have to hang out with your family. But that's not like, that's not really what I'm bitching about. I like hanging out with my family. What I don't like is that there's like, like many back-to-back weekends where I like can't get shit done and can't, you know. That's true. You know, it's just uh, annoying. Yeah. Obligations are annoying. They yeah. really are. They, they are annoying. Um but, you know, I guess you don't get to see family that often, so it's good to take advantage of that when yeah. you can. Yeah, that's interesting. As you get older, that that's something that you, you understand, like the value of family. You understand as you get older. And it's it's funny cause it's, because families fracture, they pull apart, you know, just naturally it happens. So you have these groups that are family groups that are always morphing and changing, and it's painful in its own way because people are dying or you see them less and shit like that. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's, it's important, man. It's super important. All Especially right. once they start passing, you realize how... I mean, this this holiday season is going to be a weird one for my family and I because it's the first one... Both of my... Like, all of my grandparents are gone. The one entire generation of my family has now ceased to exist. So, it's, you know... So I, this isn't one-upsmanship at all, but um, I feel for you because... Uh, because this is the first holiday season where my wife doesn't have any parents left. Mm-hmm. You know, let alone grandparents. She doesn't have any parents left yeah <clears throat> so she's got to go through that whole that whole thing and remembering you know oh, yeah. all of her memories up till this 
holiday season are going to be with her parents. This one is going to be without. Uh, you know, it's it's hard, man. It does suck. It's not the same, and that, that's and that's it's different. It's not it's not better or worse. It's different, and it just feels worse at first. And try you know, there's nothing you can do to like help her understand that or come come to that place. You know what I mean? It's tough. Growing it up's hard. Tough. Hey yep. guys, growing up's hard. It is tough. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't really have anything else to bitch about. All right. Well, I've got. Um, I've got a couple things. This morning, I woke up early. I just not. I mean, not on purpose. How early? What are we talking about? Uh, like an hour early. I mean, what time? Oh, it was like um, six o'clock. Okay. Approximately. Everyone's still asleep. The kids are still asleep. So I come down and I'm drinking my coffee and I'm like in the back room where it's quiet, uh, watching TV and uh, found something on Netflix. Uh, and it, one of the episodes of it, it was called The Rise of China. Okay. And I was like, oh, that, you know, that's interesting. I wonder, like, cause there's lots of shit I don't know about. Like, I know a little bit about the Cultural Revolution. I don't really know much about what happened before China was communist. Like, that's an interesting like area mm-hmm. what the fuck was that like I mean I know like some of the ancient shit but the first emperor and all that you know I've seen documentaries but I don't, I don't know shit about China pre-communism yeah. um, so I wanted to I wanted to know about that and the documentary seemed like it was about China, China becoming such a big economic player in the world and how that happened yeah. so I thought that was interesting, that interesting. How, how does it happen in a communist country well it turns out it happens by the communist country becoming Become a capitalist. Slowly becoming more and more <laughs> capitalist, yeah. But there were some interesting statistics okay. about China, so I'm going to run them by you. Let's hear them. All right. Did you know, first of all, before we get into statistics, did you know that in the Second World War, first of all, China was involved? Like, I... You don't hear about it. You don't hear about it. I, I don't really know. Like, you know, the Battle of the Bulge and, like, you know, D-Day, and you, you hear about all these big battles, even in the Pacific, but I don't remember hearing much about China's involvement. What I did learn is that China was our ally in the Second World War against Japan, the oh, Empire yeah. of Japan. Now, that makes perfect sense. Like, oh, yeah, so J- Japan, you know, doing what they were doing in the world, building up that military, they were a th- a th- more of a threat to China being right there than they were to us. For sure. Uh, so I don't know what kind of attacks happened, what J- Japan invaded. I think they did invade, actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know a lot of that history, but it would be interesting. But I did learn that the Chinese had a huge population even back then, and that they were cranking out supplies for the war <coughs> uh, in their factories, the same as we were. Yeah. And they were like, you know, war goods, stuff we needed. And the, and they were like, those those sweatshops, like pre-Foxconn sweatshops, were just cranking out like military s- supplies. Okay. And helped us to win the this, this Second World War. I didn't know that. Makes sense. Pretty interesting. I didn't know that either, but yeah. yeah. So. I can see that. I mean, they, they're they still doing, I mean, maybe not for war, but they're still it's just a manufacturing powerhouse there. There's so yeah. many people. I don't know what the Chinese government was like pre-communism. Yeah, me neither. I don't think it was a monarchy, but it wasn't Japan. Yeah. It wasn't a monarchy, was it? Um, what was it? I mean, it was definitely a monarchy. I, I think at some point, not too long before the communism, it had... But I don't know if it was like like an actual absolute monarchy or if it was like, you know... Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, because if you go back, like, you know, I, I know like the golden age of the emperors and stuff, but if you go back to like the Genghis Khan, if you go back to the Middle Ages, you know... Well, China. I mean, they they were doing damage over there. You know, I can't imagine there was much of a unified China. At least not. Whatever, man. We're getting off course. Let me get to this statistics. All right. Did you know there are? There's a lot of people in China. We all know that. There's more people in China than anywhere else on Earth. 
<coughs> number two, do you know what country number two? India. India, exactly. So we kind of know that. That's common knowledge. Did you know that the number of people, the population in China, is more people than all of North America? Hold on. All of South America. Wait. All of Western Europe. I'm not done. And all of Australia combined. It's crazy. I mean. The entire Western Hemisphere and big chunks of the Eastern Hemisphere. And there were still more people in China. Unbelievable, man. That is crazy. Didn't know that. Uh, did you know the Chinese use more concrete, more cement specifically, in the last three years than the United States has used in the last 100 years? Holy shit. So imagine what they're building Imagine the scale of what they're building over there. I mean, it's hard It's hard to imagine, especially when you consider that most of China is, like, unlivable. Like, the Gobi Desert is there, and there's all kinds of mountains. You can't, you, you know, they're living, like, basically on the coast. I wonder if some of that is attributed to that they have so much more catching up to do than we do. For sure. You know, it's not necessarily that they're building some kind of um, crazy... I don't know. I, I don't yeah, know. But, Something crazy. Yeah, but, but if you go back 100 years, that's 1920. Yeah. What have we built in America since the 1920s? Like, you can imagine. That's a lot, man. It's sure. a lot. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's, but, uh, does that scare you? Does that is it impress you? I mean, it's impressive, I guess. Does it scare me? Not really. I don't know. Does it scare you? No, but I can definitely see people who would like my dad if i told him that would be like oh we're they're leaving us behind we you know we're making all these mistakes we're spending our money wrong we gotta we gotta compete with the chinese you know yeah because he comes from that time when if the if the soviet union had won you know that it was gloom and doom you know in the worst sort of possible way in their minds that's how they that's how those people see china today they're like it's that's the new soviet threat yeah you know um but i'm not the kind of guy that like if somebody's doing well that I feel bad. Like, if somebody's doing well, especially if it's somebody I know, I'm not one of those people that gets jealous or feels bad or feels, like, left behind or motivated to, like, you know, catch up. I'm like, good for you, man. Yeah. You know, I, I, try, to, I, try, to, I try to feel that way. And I, for the most part, I succeed. <coughs> you feel that way about China? You're like, I, yeah. good for you, dude. Yeah, I'm like, good for you guys. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm yeah, like, I, yeah. I agree with you. I mean, for the most part, I think that there are definitely nefarious things about China, you know, Um and when you add all of that, like, economic power to the nefarious things that are potentially, like, in control of China, it's maybe a little concerning, but I don't know. Do, but I do just you, don't do worry. You, do you th- <laughs> I, I mean, do, do you think that gets better or worse as China gets richer? What do you, I don't know what you mean. The corruption and stuff that happens at the highest levels that you're objecting to. Like, if the middle class in China gets to be huge and mm. they're, start, they're starting to get wealthy— I mean, to me, it, yeah, it does provide more opportunity for the government to siphon off money. It, it provides more opportunity for them to do whatever agenda they have in mind, and that might be nefarious. I don't, I have no idea. Yeah. And maybe it's taken over, you know, Okinawa and Japan and Hong Kong and, and all of it. Maybe it's taken over the Pacific and then going into Mongolia. Maybe they're going to become the next threat. Maybe. I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, but it seems to me like if the Chinese... If the if the nation if the country really is you know behind the United States by a hundred years let's say technologically and developmentally and they have the money now to start catching up what that what that's going to create 
is a whole bunch of people that used to be poor that aren't that now aren't. Those are to me the bigger that population gets in China, the harder it's going to be for communism to stand. They're going to want more and more opportunity. They're going to want more and more of what's working. Well, what's working? The economy. The, the thing that's been driving the growth of China since they they allowed you know econ- that type of economic activity with the world. Those middle class people are going to become just like California you know uh, rich fucking yoga moms. That's going to be China will be filled with them. How long? How long is communism going to be able to last? Then how long is the corruption going to be able to last? Then well, I mean we've already. T- Well, how? see, that's – I was just going to say we've already established that communism is on its way out in China. I mean um, that doesn't mean that totalitarianism is not on – you know, firmly in place in China. Um, But communism and corruption, they're not like – you can have no communism and still have a fuck ton of corruption. That's a good point. So – That's a good point. Um just seems to me like if the power is concentrated in the party, and the party is only a very, very small portion of the population, if, if suddenly you end up with billionaires by the dozens that now are as powerful as, as the politicians that have the access to the coffers of the, of the, you know, the taxpayers or, or whatever, mm-hmm. that eventually the competition and, the, and the, the balance of power starts to change. But you're right. It doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't mean that, that, the totalitarian system would go away. It doesn't even mean that communism would go away. I don't. I don't think that's their. Like you say, communism <coughs> was on its way out in China, and I think you're right in the sense that uh, capitalism is going to become a, a bigger and bigger part of their system. But wrong in the sense that the that the Chinese Communist Party is going anywhere. I don't think it's going anywhere, man. Even even if the country becomes more capitalist than than. Uh, centrally controlled and I don't know, you know how likely that is but even if that happens that the Chinese Communist Party will still be yeah, in that, power yeah I agree with that I don't necessarily mean that the people in, in power are going to change but I mean I just mean that this process of doing things in a more capitalistic manner I think will continue as well yeah I think it has to yeah in, in, unless unless somebody from the top down clamps down on it and uh, you know, like, like if the, if they if they decide we have to have another cultural revolution, we have to go back to our back to our roots. We have to get rid of. We have to strip out all this Western isn't filth it, from our culture. Isn't it funny how basically you're calling for like a a left wing revolution? I mean, you're not calling for it, but you're saying right. for, you know a left wing kind of revolution. Yeah, yeah, uh, and people. I don't know. I, I don't know. I guess China does kind of get demonized by the left and the right right now. But I don't know. I just feel like people, these people praise communism here. These leftists, uh, not a ton of people praise communism, if we're being real. But um, lightweight communism, you know what I mean? Yeah. What? They're all, like all about it. Yeah. I think that goes back to a, the, that most of those people don't understand communism. You know, the, yeah. the, the people who say, no, we're democratic socialists. No, motherfucker, you're communist. You just don't know it. You just don't, you just, I'm not saying that that distinction doesn't exist on an academic level. I'm saying in the hearts and minds of, of an everyday progressive extremist lefties, it doesn't. Yeah. There's not a difference between communism and socialism to them. So, sorry, but that's just my, that's just my. It's thought. just funny that those, those are the people who are like, you know, they have like good things to say about China, even though China is, I mean, super right wing in in certain aspects oh, you know that, that's a good point you know I, I don't know I just don't there's no logical consistency I'm you know 
Who fucking knows? That's true. I mean, the same argument with uh, with uh, the defense of of Islam is you know, to, with without the exclusion of the extremists. So you have the left leftists who say, you know, we have we can't discriminate against anybody based on their religion, and you you know you're an asshole if you think just because the terrorism exists in the Middle East that everyone from that part of the world is terrible. is a terrorist. You know that. So that that sort of thing. Meanwhile, the left is supporting that sort of thing. There are people. Those very same people that, you know, don't want their women to drive, that perform clitorectomies on their infant babies, that, uh, you know, there's terrible shit going on. And the the left who supports that for different reasons never wants to talk about that. It's hypocrisy at the highest level, man. Yep. But the the support of China falls right into that. (coughs) It's like, yeah, we want to be supportive of China because they're communist. I mean, that seems, I mean, that's also very funny. That seems to be the reason why, you know. Is there another? I don't. I, I can't think of one. Right. I mean, I mean, there's there's things traditionally left that left leaning people would would take issue with, like child labor law, you know, uh, issues, like you know what what happens in China all the time in the sweatshops and the factories, mm-hmm. um, not just child labor, but you know, uh, labor issues with adults, working long hours, people tossing themselves off the Foxconn roof, trying to kill themselves because of the fucking conditions they're forced to work and live in you know we're talking about all this and i mean i'm obviously i think that things could be better in china um but one thing i try to always be like aware of is that i've never been to china good point i've never been to russia i don't know what day-to-day life is like for these people and i've listened to interviews with like expats people who have left america and gone to live in china and they're like yes Bad things happen here, one hundred percent. That's that is true. Yep. But day the day to day life for like the average Chinese person is not that bad. So something yeah, to consider. Yeah, it could be. And you see, and I just want to point out to the audience this. That's what I like about Kyle. Just just there demonstrated is that Kyle's willing to see things from a different perspective. Even even when I'm getting caught up in one sort of train of thought, he's like, "Well, consider this. Consider this." And we've talked about that before, and that's that's interesting. Um, you know, the idea that, and I don't know, man, I've never been there. I don't know. You're right. I only hear what I hear. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but they're, but they're in the cities anyway. Um, yeah. And in the, in the, in the cities, like in, in Russia or in China, it's very possible that, you know, the, the middle class, average middle class person in, in, you know, Beijing or something, um, lives very much like, or in some ways, maybe better, you might say, than we live in, in the Western, you know, Western Europe or America. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea, but I do know um, they've got they've got problems, oh, yeah. just like everyone else. And the problem of poverty and development that that China has it's an interesting place, man. Because there are parts of China that are like they were 150 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. are there are there parts of the United States that I guess there are? <coughs> I guess there are, man. There are there are places no, and, and Appalachia where no. people still don't have power. There are. Yeah. Okay. Maybe, but I mean, you're talking about if you look at a map of West Virginia, you're talking about little tiny dots here yeah. and there, you yeah, know, yeah. like some fucking crazy person who lives, uh, you know, halfway up a mountain. Yeah. Um, whereas there, you're talking about large communities of people who live the same way their ancestors did. Hmm. Maybe not exactly the same, but close. Uh, we, we we mentioned this before, but like if if shit got really bad, like the people that would be able to survive are going to be the Amish. Yeah, and those people, those those people with the rice paddies and crazy and, dude halfway up the mountain, halfway up the mountain, yeah. 
it's interesting. But I wonder even about the Amish. Like it seems like technology is beginning to creep in even to the Amish. Yeah. Where the kids have cell phones and internet and uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. I just wonder how long does that last? How long does that way of life last? Maybe that's maybe that's in its final stages of dying. I would assume that it is. I, I can't help but imagine that once that stuff finds its way in, that it's just going to. I mean, it's what it does. It's mm. just going to keep growing. You know how people go to Amish communities and they like stay at a bed and breakfast and they shop. They shop at the handmade quilt shop and it's like for a vacation. Yeah, we're gonna go to Pennsylvania. We're gonna go to Amish country. Yeah, we're gonna have cheese and, and fudge. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Look like at these <laughs> weird people. <laughs> so people do that today, and I, I point I bring that up only because it reminds me of like Brave New World. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah. There, there is going to be a time if things continue to go this way, when the Amish, there may still be groups that are doing this because they want to do this, but there are going to be people, and it's the same people today that are the preppers, you know, it's the same people today that are like the off the grid motherfuckers. Those people are going to live on purpose on earth in, in reservations or whatever, in places that are protected that let them live in the old way, you know? And all of the rest of us are going to live in in floating cities. <laughs> we're, all, we're all going to be living in high rises, you know. It, it, that's just how it was in Brave New World, and it sounds so possible today. And 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 I can tell you, people would go visit and live for a weekend like we used to live in the in the twenty in the twenty first century. Yeah, dude. You know, we're going to go down. We're going to eat. We're going to eat burgers. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, we're going to drive a car. We're going to drive a car. We're going to breathe in the fossil fuel fumes. Yeah, we're going to live like they used to live. Yeah, it's gonna I, happen. I think that's a realistic thing too. I think um, Orwell gets a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of clout, uh, but I think uh, what's his name Huxley. Yeah, that guy was like a prophet, man. Yeah, he was. It's, it's weird. G- shit. If you guys haven't read Brave New World, you should. Uh, Huxley does nail it. Um, the, the one thing that he d- says in that book that hasn't come to fruition yet, but it's like, I wonder how far away it is. Is that people would go to Feelys. So rather, rather than you and I going to a movie, they would go to a feely. That's right. I right? kind of forgot about that. So I don't think it's going to happen in the theater scenario, but it might. But in, in the book, people would go to a movie theater like you would, and when they would, what they would experience is the, what's the little mini story that you're watching, but they're going to smell it and taste it and feel it, and it's going to be like an experience, like a virtual reality experience. And then you look at what we're doing today with virtual reality and how, how good it's getting. I, you know... It's funny. I've, I've heard good things about VR porn, man. Like it's it's next level amazing stuff. I don't. I I hope to never put a VR set <laughs> on my face for that reason. Like I, I've like I already have enough of a problem with pornography. I don't need it to be like, you know. No, yeah, no. I I, I that's like a Mount Doom. You know, I don't even mm. want to go near it. Mordor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? Fuck. I ruined it. No, no, that was good. The VR. Um, Brave oh, New World. Did you watch uh, Rogan with Shapiro? Uh, I didn't. I didn't watch it. I listened oh, to it. Well, yes, yeah, yeah. yes, and and I listened to it technically. Most most of it I listened to uh, again because I listened to it on the way to my folks' house yesterday with my wife. After I already listened to it. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you thought it was that good, huh? Yeah, that was good. It was. Good. I didn't watch. I didn't. Or I didn't listen to the whole thing. I, I watched some clips on YouTube. Oh, you should. Yeah, uh, I might. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> listen, I don't know what you noticed about it, but I wonder if you noticed two things: Joe being no longer in California, and Joe having a conservative guy on the 
podcast. How would I? You're just now noticing that Joe's not in California? No, you got to let me finish my sentence before you. All right, because I'm like confused (laughs) as hell. Considering those two things happened on this episode, that he wasn't in California and that he was interviewing a conservative person, those two factors together had Joe saying things that he would never have said before. You'd have to go back to the early days to get him to be talking that freely. Like, what does he say? Like, he talked. He was talking in a way about how bad uh, (coughs) things got in California, and and he would talk about it if it came up about about the homeless people or about the needles or about the shitting on the street. He would make a joke about it, but this was like long stretches of him ranting about it to to Ben. Okay, like, and and the way Ben uh, addressed it was interesting. He was like, uh, because Joe's basically saying, look. You're, you're paying the highest taxes of, of anybody in the country. You're living in this beautiful place. You're paying a premium for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, everywhere you go in this beautiful place, there are homeless tents, cities. And the cops won't help you. And there's garbage everywhere. The laws are written to say you can't remove the garbage. So you're in this beautiful paradise paying top dollar. And the public services suck. You know, nobody's protecting you. Nobody's helping you. You know, it's, it's chaos. And you're paying all this money, and they can't even take care of the homeless people. Like what in the hell? And that—that's the picture he painted, like a terrible place to live. And he never would have done that when you know before he moved to Spotify and moved to Texas. Um, I guess I didn't hear the rant, so I don't know if he went on some abnormal. But I don't know if I agree with that. I think that um, he's he he's talked shit since he moved to Texas. Um, he's been talking shit. Uh, but even before, like he was always kind of like, no, nah, I don't. remember he moved to Colorado mm-hmm. and then he moved back because of, I forget why. Oh, I think his wife was pregnant his, or something. Yeah, it was, it was his wife. Yeah. yeah you, so. you shouldn't be pregnant at that altitude. Oh, it's yeah, like yeah. not good for oh, you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, cause the babies are born like super premature. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so he came back to LA, but yeah, I don't know. I've always kind of seen Rogan as a guy who like was reluctantly in LA and, um, maybe and I mean, you know, he had he's had conservative people on. He has people on, right? But that's the point I'm making. If he has a conservative person on, he talks a little more conservative. Oh well, okay, and, I do agree with and, that. And since he went to Texas, he's t- he talks a little bit more freely about the stuff he used to be more reserved about, specifically the stuff that would piss liberals off. Uh, and some of that is, is criticism of California, but some of it is criticism of liberal policies that are yeah. happening elsewhere. Okay. And he was careful not to say it. He's got lots of fans, you know. Back then he was. Yeah. In the beginning, I would say it didn't. That did, that that filter didn't exist. Oh, but yeah. then the filter came on. Dude, the early days of Rogan. I mean, <laughs> you know, people talk about stuff like that all the time. Like, oh, Stern used to be so good back in the day. And now he, he fucking sucks. I don't know if you ever listen to any Howard Stern. Never. Mm-mm. It's fucking boring to me. But I feel the same way about Rogan. Rogan used to be so good, yep. so interesting, and so hilarious back in the day. Yep. And uh, now it's even now that he's in Texas. I mean, I guess it's all right. Listen, I noticed, and I I, I hope I hope you can at least agree, agree with me on this. Since he moved to Texas, he talks differently about California and his time there than he did while he was there. He's gotten more. Uh, he speaks more freely about it and more critically about it, and he did that to the extreme with Shapiro okay. be, because. He, because having a conservative person amplifies that in him, okay. you know, just like if he had a super liberal on it, he would be a little bit more liberal than he than he generally is. Yeah, that's actually one of my complaints about Rogan. You know, and you can you can complain about that, but part of me thinks that's supernatural and normal. Like if you if you're if I'm with you talking this way, and then I'm with you know another friend, you know, or if I have multiple friends together, you're going to get a slightly different me, you know, based upon the 
you know what's being what's being asked of me in this situation. Yeah. So I'm not completely, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I do. I have a a little bit of a problem with it, it because it's not like like he like contradicts himself sometimes with these yeah, people. But we all do, you know. Yes, I'm, I'm not. not I, yeah, I'm not defending it, and I know what you mean. I know uh, you, you know, it, it is what it is. One one thing that I do understand is that he's got this show, and it's in his best interest to get people to want to come on the show. Mm-hmm. And people are not going to want to come on the show if you fucking pitbull people all the time. You know, if you like that's true, embarrass people. But to, to the same to the same tone, do, do you do you think if like Joe might have a harder time getting some of these liberal like scientists on, or uh, or, or or even Hollywood people or whatever, if he speaks too critically about left and the and there i think that in the situation that he's in now he's already in that boat so i think that if yeah. he was open more then yeah people would be he'd probably have an even harder time so so that's all that's basically the point i was trying to yeah, make okay but it so it was like the perfect storm of that situation with joe um the, on this episode of ben where i felt like we got a whole different side of joe at least a little bit more like sh- straightforward than okay. than normal and i liked it i liked it you know uh and he had this interesting exchange with Ben about um, the stock market, and this is this drives me nuts. So when Joe talks about the stock market, he always does this. He always says, "Stock market comes up, and it's just like, I, you know, I don't. I, I'm always listening. I'm never watching, but I just imagine it's just like glaze-eyed Joe hitting play on the record on the recorder, and he's regurgitating the same thing. And it, this is how it goes." Oh, the stock market is just moving money around. A bunch of rich people that know how to that you know know how to do it, and they go in there and they make a bunch of a bunch of fake exchanges somehow, and they generate massive amounts of wealth for themselves. And it's this secret that nobody else knows how to do but the fucking bigwigs. And that's how he paints it. And I'm like, is that what you? I I always think, is that what you think the stock market is? Yeah. And and if if that's if that's literally what it is, why? Why has it not been demolished by now? Why is this still being allowed to do to, to happen like this? How could you and and if you believed it, you would have all the same objections Joe has. You would say, you know, it's just letting people jig the system, rig the system. You know, it's it's somehow hurting poor people, and, and that's how that's how he thinks that it's somehow hurting poor people. And I'm like, okay, finally, you know, Ben Shapiro is going to finally tell him everything that he needs to know to stop saying that dumb shit. What happened? Well, he did a part of a good job. Yeah, um, that's that's Shapiro for you. Partly part not part of a good job. Yeah. it's like uh, when he had Peter Schiff on, and Joe's had Peter Schiff oh, on many times. Yeah, why did this topic never come up? Peter Schiff would have would have told him. Yeah, that's a good point. I think maybe Joe might be afraid to bring that topic <laughs> up with Peter Schiff. Well, Ben, this is how Ben handled it. Ben said, "Look, people that are making all these you know mysterious transactions that you're talking about." Moving money around and, and making money off of the, off of doing no work, like the people that are doing that, what they are is the grease in the machine. And Joe's like, okay, what do you mean? And he's like, it's it's about IPOs. It's about how do you fund a company? Stock is a way of funding a company. So if 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 it's easy, if it becomes easier for you to raise money from the public, that's what the stock market is to start a business. Um, then you're going to end up with more businesses. Some of them are going to fail, but you're going to have more that succeed, and you're going to have a lot more businesses than you would otherwise without this system. Because do you know how hard it was to raise money and to get people to commit to give give you money for a, for a, a, ben, a business venture a hundred years ago? It was very difficult. So you have a stock market so that you you provide liquidity and free up money for investment so that people can use it and fail or succeed and the ones that succeed make it worth it. And that, that's what makes the system work. And okay, that's a good explanation. 
and I'm and Joe actually did sort of backpedal a little bit, like, right. okay, so it's a necessary evil, and Ben's like, yep, and Joe's like, okay, a necessary evil. I mean, well, I, I think well, they didn't use evil. those words, but, oh, you, but oh, okay, but that's sort of that. That's the gist. Okay, as long that, as he didn't actually yeah, say that. No, 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 nobody actually said that. Okay, um, so where did he fall short, Shapiro? Where, where what I wished he would have said is something like this. What are those little transactions that you, you you're so uh, that you're questioning that you're suspicious of? What are they? That's the way what Shapiro's calling the grease. They never addressed it. Okay, so this is what happens in the stock market, you guys. Let's have a fucking lesson for a second. Real one on one. Okay, easy. When you're trying to value a company or when you're trying to value a product, how do you do it? In a communist system, the the, the top up just says. Five fifty. This is what this is what it cost. Five fifty. Yeah. Uh, Five fifty for a loaf of bread. Um, in the United States, <coughs> in the United States, it's not top down. It's distributed. How, how how prices are arrived at is distributed between the opinion of three hundred million people, and whatever you guys think it costs, we're gonna we're gonna average that out. We're gonna come up with a way of of, of establishing what the price is. That's what it is. That's how we come up with prices. It's called a free market. We have a 300 million people all giving us wild, wild guesses, and we're coming up with a consensus about what we can actually value things at or, or price things at, that sort of thing. Really high level. I'm not, I'm not getting into, into, the, into the weeds here. So this is what happens. Somebody notices a company is more valuable than their price shows that they are. So they go in there, and they buy or sell based on where they think things are overpriced or underpriced. How can I make money if I notice that something is overpriced, and I and I can you know sell it for uh, or you know if I can buy it for less than it's worth or sell it for more than it's worth, I'm going to make money on that. So that's what Joe is referring to when he says people moving money around, making a bunch of a bunch of profits, right? That's what he means. And when when Ben is saying it's the grease, what he's saying is that stabilizes prices. Right? If something, if I go to the store and I buy something today for five dollars and tomorrow it's twenty dollars, it's very difficult to plan a fucking uh, week's meal. Right? Absolutely. It's very difficult. So how do we stabilize that? It's the stock market, and any anybody who notices that something's out of line can buy or sell different securities to take advantage of that. And what does that do for the rest of the world? It stabilizes the prices. So they're never going to get more than a couple fractions of a penny more than, than they should be worth, or or, they, or 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 vice versa, because there's a because there's 300 million people involved in the stock market, right? Right? There's a there's a bunch of people investing in the stock market, and a bunch of very smart people buying and selling based on those types of speculations. Sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong, but the net result is prices are stabilized, and we have predict it's a predictable system, and it works. So that's that's what I wished he would have said. When Joe keeps saying that there's these mysterious people in the shadows moving money around and getting f- filthy rich, that some of those people are wealthy and getting filthy rich. Some of those people are you and I and our 401k plans. Hell yeah. You know, that's what I wish he would have said. Yep. It's That's not, great. Yeah. It's, it's not a cabal of rich people getting getting wealthy on us. We're going to clip that and put that on the internet. That was great. <laughs> it's everybody. Yeah, man. All right. Um... I, I remember one time you were talking, and this was a long time ago. This was years ago. You were lamenting Rogan saying the, that exact thing years ago. Yeah. And I was like, uh, I was, I, you know, I don't, I, I still don't know anything about that kind of shit. And I was like, uh, do, do you, and I was asking the question, honestly, I was like, do you think that you understand 
you know, the economy and the stock market better than Joe Rogan does. And you were like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah, I did that that memory really sticks out to me that you were like indignant that I even, I even <laughs> well I still I still believe that but oh, I, I, but I it, believe that but too. It, it's not for it's not like that I'm saying I'm smarter than Joe that's not at all the case I'm, I'm saying that Joe's never examined the, yeah. those those ideas because if he did he couldn't believe what he does and he couldn't say the same thing and that's also a sign of somebody who ha- who hasn't who doesn't continue to think about an idea is when their response is the same for ten years. Uh-huh. It, it means it means they haven't they haven't they haven't changed their opinion in ten years. Yeah, and true. that and that's what that's what I get from Joe when it comes to the stock market. Well, hopefully Ben moved the needle a little bit. I think he did. Um, the reason I I brought that up is because they brought up virtual reality in that, and you know they were talking about like um, if uh, if you can get all of the rewards from that you get from life and. It's from this thing, and it's not real life, but it's just as convincing as real life. Um, there are going to be people who choose to exist in there, you know? And I just can't help but think about, like, a person who is, like, you know, just think of, like, your run-of-the-mill successful person. The person you look at and you're like, man, that dude is fucking killing it, you yep, know? Yep. He's in great shape. He's got this gorgeous wife. He's got a big old dick, huge, huge penis. Um, But he's got this career that he likes doing. It's fulfilling. He also makes a fuck ton of money, just killing it, you know. Yep. And he like uh, he he gets like this heart pain, you know. And he's he goes to the doc. He has to go to the ER. He's like having some kind of a heart attack. Mm. And the doctor's explaining to him, it's like. You're in bad health. You're not doing well. Um, you know, you had a heart attack, and the, he's like, "How is that possible? Like, look at me. I've got, I've got a 24 pack. Mm. You know." And the guy's like, "Yeah, but that this is that's here. Oh, man. You know, it doesn't that seem like something from Black Mirror that's or a, something? That's a Black Mirror episode. You know, and he's the guy's like this guy who is this guy who's killing it in the real world has forgotten that he that that's not him. You know, he's like, Dude. "What are you talking about? I'm in." I'm in bad health. So that that matrix moment that you just painted was a really awesome by the way. I <laughs> like that. But this is the this is the thing that haunts me about that is when you and I are talking about objective reality versus our subjective experience and not knowing what not ever knowing what objective reality is that I wonder if that's the situation that we're in. Yeah. Like like we've forgotten that that this is a is a simulation that we've forgotten and when we get glimpses of the objective world, you know? When when the, when when Mother Ayahuasca shows you the truth or something, uh-huh. that you just got a peek, you know, a glitch in the system, and you opened up your eyes and noticed that you were in a different place for a second, you know, that that maybe there's something like that, you know, like you can't rule it out, and it's it's you know it's a little fucking freaky. Yeah. Um. Do you scared. do you connect this to the meta conversation, the Facebook meta first thing? Do I can? What do you mean? Oh, oh, with the VR stuff, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's creepy. I mean, it's like it's like a step in the direction that I don't want to go in. You know, you know what was the creepiest part about that when Ben was talking about it is he? You just said that there are people that would prefer to live in that in that simulated virtual reality world and and have everything they want and be whatever they want and not have to worry about you know the, the limitations of reality. There are people that would plug in and just, just sign out and be there forever. I agree. Ben said something like this. He said, in a situation like you described, the fringe people might be in there, but the vast majority of people wouldn't. They'd still think 
they want to do something actually meaningful, and that means in the real world, not in this virtual world. But he said, what, what, happens, if, what happens if everybody's in the virtual world? And you're the only motherfucker not. Yeah, that was powerful. Then you can't, then even if you act in the real world, it only matters to you. You have to do something in the virtual world to matter to anybody else. And then that's, a, then, then that's an amazing philosophical question. Is <coughs> if you can only do, if what you, if the actions you take in the world are only impactful and meaningful to yourself, is that a life worth living? Is that, is that, is that the recipe for suicide? Are you going to become... That's crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're either going to have to bend to the will of this new virtual world and give up reality permanently or fucking end it and in this nihilistic, you know, spiral. It's crazy that that need for things to matter, I don't know, I don't know the best way to phrase it, but things to matter to other people who are not you, to matter to other people who are not you that, social we call that yeah, social yeah that yeah. that social need matters so much to us that it can make us completely like change what we value mm. you know like completely yep it's like putting a rat in a cage mm. and seeing how they no longer act like a rat and they just do cocaine till they die right in the experiment yeah. that that's what it's like <laughs> yeah if you take away it's like putting somebody in solitary confinement they go fucking crazy why is that and so the point you make is a good one, that we have a social component to our lives and our mental health. There's, it's weird, it's weird, but we're social creatures, yeah. right? Like, like a beehive or like a, you know, a pack animal or something. We need our fellows, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's something about it that's so necessary that if we don't have it, we go crazy or commit suicide. Yep. Or at least consider it, right? Yep, it's crazy. I mean, you can live your entire life defining yourself by something like this is who I am. Mm -hmm. You know, this means a lot to me. This like defines me. Right. Uh, and under the threat of being isolated or like having everyone ostracize you, you're like, no, that's not me at all none anymore. That, I, none, I, of none of that matters. None of that matters. I'm what you guys want me to be. So listen, I'm going to take this in. You know where I'm going to take this probably, but I'm going to take this in a different direction. Um, I I think you're right, 100%, that, that there's something interesting about that social component to human beings, and it's no secret. You know, scientists of all sorts talk about that. Biologists, evolutionary biologists, you know, neurologists, you know, all sorts of scientists talk about the social need and importance of, so, you know. You, you know, it's like that, um, you, you heard about that uh, uh, experiment they did with these monkeys. They took baby monkeys from their mother. And they put and they put one of them like like the baby monkeys would hold on. Oh, yeah. to, they would hold on to their mother. So they put them on a wire rack. Yep. And then other ones they put fur on the rack and they made it warm. And the monkeys that didn't have the warm fur of the, the, their mother's touch, they died. You know, <laughs> and and, uh, and the same thing the same thing with babies. Like when they you know when they would take babies like in the you know the eighteen hundreds they they would take babies. They did some crazy shit to talk about. But they would take take babies from their from their families and raise them in these like isolated sterile conditions, and those babies either would die or wouldn't develop properly. So there's something really important about the social dynamic, and I'm going to tell you what I think it is. What is it? All right, you talked about identity a minute ago, and I think that that was a good one. Like you'd be you'd be willing to throw away. All the most important things, the things that are so important to you that, that they com com they comprise your identity, your sense of self. You'd throw all of them away just to have another person to speak to, to be with. And there's that's a that there's a truth, a deep truth in that. I think it's something like this. 
if we don't have each other, oh, how do I put this? I, I, I was very boldly going into this, and now I'm, I'm right on the precipice, <laughs> like, and I'm like, oh, how do I say this? Back a little bit. Um, it, it has to do with recognizing yourself. It has to do with being self-conscious, like in, in a way that Jordan Peterson would talk about, like, uh, like, like when you're um, reaching your sexual, uh, you know, maturity or whatever. How somebody of the opposite sex uh, is like a judge. It's like a judge that makes you self-conscious. Like a like a woman makes you aware of all the shit that you need to change. Like, yeah. oh, you're immature. I gotta stop playing with toys. I gotta I gotta wear button-up shirts now. Like, you know what I mean? Like like there's I, I gotta I gotta stop spending all my time jerking off and playing playing video games. That's how women make men self-conscious. They they <coughs> you know they're like a mirror that reflects certain things about you that you that that you can now see are not ideal. That's how people are with each other. They're like a mirror of each other. And it does, that mirror does allow you to form your own identity. In fact, it's the only way I know of that allows you to form your identity. It's like you recognize that you're like people and that you're unlike people. And you recognize things about people that you aren't, right, that you admire and things that you don't admire. So that you become like you try to become like the things that you think are desirable, the things that strike you as good, and you try to become less like the things that strike you as, you know, not good. You know, people when they're young, they're they're little dickheads. They're selfish. They're all about themselves. You know, they're you know, <laughs> I'm thinking about my youngest daughter right now. It's like she's 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 still learning that stuff. You know. It, she wants what she wants and she wants it now god damn it and if she doesn't get it she'll scream yeah. and it's like that's how we all are yeah. until we learn that it doesn't look good on you dude mm-hmm. like you're a whiny little bitch and that only happens if you have somebody else to reflect on yep. and I think that is something like self-consciousness it's something like a fractal mirror of, of the thing that you are you're self-conscious within your own head you know you can look at yourself Objectively, like like you're floating up in space, looking down and, and judging yourself. Like this is this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm not good at. These are my qualities that are admirable. These are the ones I have to work on. You can look at yourself like a third person, but you can do that with a stranger. So there's something like that, that social part of your of your life that is part of being self conscious. And and I and I won't get I won't beat a dead horse. But I've said many times that being self-conscious, that that process is something like what I call God. So that's why I think people long for social experience, because they want to know what they are. And what they are, you know, what I am is something like you, and what you are is something like me. And that's Mm -hmm. why this conversation is engaging to us, because we're figuring out who we are this way. If it's all one Terminator 2 substance then why can't we have that with like the the prison cell that we're solitarily isolated in? That's a good question. And it has to do with God being consciousness. Okay. Because because in my mind, God is consciousness. And what consciousness does is experience. And if you are all that there is, then there kind of is no experience other than experience of yourself. Um, and this is where it gets mystical and hard to understand. And if I say any more, it's going to get fucking hippy dippy. Yeah, um, it usually does. It so. usually it usually does. Yeah. So I so it's like this. When like this goes back to the float tank experience that I had. Yeah. When I'm floating in the float tank and I can't see anything and I can't hear anything and I can't feel anything, I'm floating in this abyss of darkness, and it's just the only thing that was there is my 
awareness of my awareness. That was all that was there. It was like I'm, I'm floating in this blackness, and all that I all that I am, all that I know, all that I can experience is that I can experience. There wasn't anything there to experience. It was just me aware of the fact that I have the potential to experience something. Even if it's just my thoughts that I, that I had going on in my head, that's all that existed. And I try to imagine if I was all that existed, if consciousness was all that existed, <coughs> does that mean that there is no experience? Because when you're floating in the float tank and your mind is empty and you can't feel anything, it's, there's this weird moment where it's a gray area as to whether anything exists at, at, at that moment, you know? The only thing that makes that pushes you over the edge is the fact that there's something there that can think that, that can think that thought. I'm not sure if there's anything that exists, you know? Because you have no sensation, you have no experience, you have no, in the right condition, you have no thoughts or memories or reflections, you have no sensation, you have nothing. There's nothing. It's black, it's nothing. Except for that there's something in the nothingness that knows there's nothing. It's this weird fucking experience that makes the hair stand up on my arms. It's a spiritual experience, man. To be alone with yourself and recognize there's something there with you that's yourself. It's a fucking weird thing that people talk about in religious ways, in mythological ways, and hippy-dippy psychedelic ways that's hard to put words to. And what I'm saying is... <laughs> what, I, what I'm saying is that the experiences that we're having, that the experiences that we have with one another and the experiences that we have in general, with the cosmos, that those are all self-experiences. They're all the thing that was that's happening in the float tank when there's nothing going through my mind except for awareness that I'm there. That's, that's the same thing that all of this is, that the experience we're having and the world, the cosmos, and all the complexity that's in it. It's, that's how I see it. It's a very strange and hard to communicate thing, which is why... You're looking at me the way you are right now. <laughs> I still don't understand. Well, I mean, you know, I, I I still don't understand why if every experience we have with the cosmos is self-experience, I don't understand why we can't be fine being isolated. Because you're still, it's still you, it's, you know. It's, but it's, it's a paradox. It's It's a paradox because we are and we aren't isolated. Because there isn't really a we. It's only a perception of a we. It's like when we plug into the matrix, the matrix is the multiplicity. The matrix is the perception, the illusion of, of, of a difference. Do you think that somebody who understood this stuff deeply could be isolated and be fine? Just like become one with the bricks? That's a good question. That you know, I want to say no, um, but what comes to my mind is something like the story of what happened to Buddha, and I don't know if it's just a story or if it's legit. But well, I, I guess the idea is this: Buddha's meditating under the Bodhi tree, and he reaches enlightenment. So, is it possible for you to have some reach some state that makes it unnecessary for you to 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 interact with anything else, that you're just sufficient all by yourself. But see, there's something about that idea that kind of means you you fade into nothingness. You go away. So that, that Terminator 2 substance behind reality is sort of like a black hole. If you if you get to that state, you, you don't exist anymore. There is, again, there isn't a we anymore. It's just, a, it's just a God. It's just God at that point. Um, I think that the illusion of separateness is necessary for experience. 
And that's what consciousness is, is experience. That's what it wants. That's what it is. It's, it's, it's indistinguishable. Consciousness and experience are indistinguishable. So consciousness creates the illusion of separateness in order to, in order to have experience. And I understand that as, as clear as mud. I don't understand that well. But that's intuition from mystic experience that I've had that says that, that consciousness, God, it's the oneness, and that what it does is somehow project itself within itself. That's the best metaphor I can give you of how it becomes two, of how one becomes two so that it can experience itself. Just imagine, like, a person who is in solitary confinement, right? And he's sitting there. He's, like, on the ground. You know, like you see in movies, they're, like, huddled up on the ground against a wall. And he's just, like, lonely, you know? So he's, like, raises his hands up and starts doing, like, <laughs> hand puppets and having conversations with mm-hmm. him, you know? Mm-hmm. That's what I, I mean. It seems like it's, like, almost the same thing. It's like this analogy of a network keeps popping in my head. Yeah. And it's like... uh you know, like a, like, a, like a network of neurons in your brain, and you can see the, elec- the electricity flashing in different spots and the, how the, the electrical impulses move through your neurons, and, you know, all that shit's like, all that electrical activity in your brain that I'm describing right now, it's all like the experience we're having right now. But it's just, that's just how it looks in your brain. Like electrical currents moving in different, and through different neuronic pathways all through your brain, I don't, I don't understand it. It's fucking magical. But there's something about the interaction between a network that does something that is like, what's the word they use for that? Um, emergent. Something emergent happens. It's like the internet, right? So you've got this network of computers. And when you link them together, what happens? Like, you don't even really know what's, what happens. Some crazy shit happens. Yeah. Like, and, and, and look what it's become. And what will it become? Like, once you get a network going and you have messages passing back and forth between those those different you know, uh, bodies that things emerge from that experience that you can't predict. And like I said, nobody could have predicted what the internet was going to make possible and what, what it will still make possible. I tell you, I can never predict what fucking printer something is going to come out of when I print something at work. The net, you know what I'm talking about? The network, the network is so fucked up that it just, it's going to pop out of whatever fucking printer it wants to. It wants to. to, Yeah. 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 (laughs) But, but that's the idea. And I think that has that, I think that analogy is something like what I'm trying to get, get at is that, uh, that that God, that consciousness is something like a network. And the more complicated that network becomes, the more sophisticated the things can be that emerge from it. So, what emerged from it is the cosmos and everything that exists. That's pretty fucking cool. But that happens, this is like a panpsychist conversation, but it happens on a non-material level. It happens on a, like a quantum mechanical level in ways that I can't understand, that nobody can understand. It has to do with consciousness and however it exists before it manifests this or if that's even a thing. Uh, this conversation is going to go down a fucking rabbit hole because <laughs> you're going to start talking about time yeah. And that's a whole... In fact, that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about today. Time. Time. Can we pivot to time, for Christ's sake? The Pink Floyd song? No. No? Okay. Yeah, we could talk about it anyways. All right, hold on. <laughs> let, me, let, me read this, let me read this note here. Oh, this, this guy on this documentary was saying that it's interesting. It's called The Edge of All We Know. It's on Netflix. It's, it, this, this guy was saying that... Um, I lost it. Oh, he's saying that it's interesting that human beings have a concept of time and that we have an experience of time. So, like, you can ask us, you know, 
we can describe it. it. We have this experience of it. But he's like, what's weird is we don't have any organs, any senses that tell time. It's like we don't have we don't have any way of telling time. So how do we have an experience of time? And I thought that was fucking cool, man. It's like, you know, you've got senses to to touch and to hear and to smell, and you've got all these things going on, but nothing that you have, none of your equipment detects time. So how is it that we, this was his argument that time is like a construct. It's not real. It's a construct. And that maybe it just measures change. And that, to me, I, I get that. Like, that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Uh, that's how things seem to, change is, is what happens to, over time, right? That's, so there, those are things that are connected. You can't even separate them. And it's like if you're staring at something and it never changes, like, has time gone by? How could you, how could you tell? You know, how could you tell? So, um, uh, so that maybe time is just a construct. It's just something that seems to exist but doesn't really exist. And I think that's fucking interesting, man. Mm-hmm. Because we do have an experience of time. So our, psychologically, we, we seem to, like, make it up. We make up time somehow. It's important for our experience somehow. And we all we all understand that because because we experience life temporally, like it has a starting place and an ending place, and it only moves in one direction. But that, what's the evidence for that? Like the only evidence is that things change; they seem to change at a, in regular intervals. Yeah, I just thought that was fucking interesting, man. It was interesting. Got nothing on that. I mean, I don't really know what to say about it. It's like, um, I, I mean. Time, it, time is hard to talk about, man. It's like a, it, it's a confusing because uh, I mean, there's there's time in a utilitarian sense, like putting labels on like parts of the day. You know, that's but then you start talking about time as in like the way you're talking about it, is just like change. Yeah. You know, and it's like you you know the thing people talk about where all of time is really just like one. One moment, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, one continual moment. Yeah. yeah. No, I love that idea. In fact, that goes right back to the hippy dippy conversation. You son of a bitch. Is that uh, there was an, there was a, an MXPX album? It was, yeah. it was called the the ever the ever passing moment. It was called, I believe. And that's just what, what pops in my head. Is that what the the only thing that you're ever aware of is now? That's what you're describing. There's something called the ever present moment. That's in fact, it's hard to say there is anything else. Yeah, that's exactly right. You only ever find yourself here and now, that's and it. that's always the, always the case. Yeah. And then wh- whether there was ever a here and now before or after is just it's hard. It's hard to it's hard to say. It's hard to say whether that's even legitimate or or an illusion. Uh, that's interesting. But it also is tied into the idea <coughs> that what is what does that mean? You know, that you're only ever aware of the moment. So the, the part of that that you skip is that the awareness part. So that time and consciousness are actually tied together. You, if, you're not, if you're not aware, then time has no meaning, and so it doesn't exist. Right? It, it, how can you say time exists if you're not aware of time, if you're not aware of things or change? So there, the, you can't separate even the idea of consciousness from time from the idea of consciousness. Yeah. And, then, and scientists talk about it as a dimension. Right, uh, it's so you have three dimensions of space and a fourth dimension called time, and that you can move through time the way you move through dimensions. And you're like, okay, sort of. It's like I was born, and later I'm going to die. And you can see my life as a, as a movement through time, like that. That's I guess that makes sense. 
You can't like willingly move through time. Willfully move mm, through time. Though. See, you can't. But but then there's but then we start walking and we start walking into uh, relativity at that point because then scientists are gonna there's gonna be some scientist out there some fucking scientist some scientist he's gonna say but you can move really fast and that will slow time down right you can move really fast as you near the speed of light time slows down because it dilates so that's how they're gonna that's how they're gonna wiggle around that one I'll tell you what man I don't fucking trust that shit fucking <laughs> <laughs> uh, scientist hey, dude let me switch gears with you for a second because right. this, this conversation is getting super deep and I didn't prepare for it so uh-huh. um, what do you think of this the episode I did last solo episode that you haven't listened to I'm be curious what you have to th- about say about it the uh what, what, the, one about, the, one about, the one about Islam. Islam. Yes. Um, I start talking about something that came up in a podcast between Jordan and this um, Islamic guy, uh, Mohammed Akyol, I think his name is, a Turkish guy. Um, anyway, he said, he said something about Sharia law that kind of blew my mind. And he painted it in a way that I've never heard before. So when, when, Shia, when Sharia law comes up, what comes to your mind? Um... Just like Islamic law, like religious law, as opposed to government law. Uh, any like news stories come to mind? Anything like, um, yeah, I mean, you know, like women being stoned to death for cheating and shit like that. Um, yeah. Things like that. Yeah, of course. You think of them when you think of them with a Western mindset. It's like, you know, like not necessarily good. Yeah. Um, well, let me let me give you an example. The example he gave in the in the podcast. He said, um, because I said the same thing. I said, when Sharia comes up, I think about like clitorectomies and uh, w- mistreatment of women and, um, you know, like like corporal punishment of like barbaric types. You know, I, that's, yeah. that's the kind of stuff that comes to mind. But it's the kind of stuff that comes to mind because I don't know anything about it. Exactly. You know, it's fear. It's just nothing but fear. And it's some, something I heard in the news, right? Mm-hmm. So he said, <coughs> he said, there's this thing in Sharia law that says, if somebody accuses you of being unfaithful to your spouse, that you need to have three witnesses to bring it before a court. And the reason it comes up is because there are places in the Islamic world where men will rape women. And then when the women try to tell somebody, they'll say, well, where are your three witnesses? Uh-oh. And they'll be able to just rape willy-nilly without any consequences because as long as there's not three people there, and that's what Sharia says there must be, three witnesses, that they get away with it. And so that's one of those stories where you're like, fuck, you know, that's not good. Yeah. And this guy says, well, what happened was um, somebody accused somebody uh, accused somebody of um, sleeping with their spouse. And they took it to Muhammad, I believe. it was. I, I could be butchering the story. And Muhammad said um, that... That they that they would need three witnesses, but the specifics of the story were that the woman was being accused when she hadn't actually done it. So the, they were going to kill the woman if she had committed adultery. Oh, they were going to kill her. And Muhammad said, "You need to bring three witnesses, or this woman lives." So like the 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 spirit of the law was to protect the woman who was being accused falsely. Yeah, and it's being a, a used now to rape women and get away with it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a real, that's a real <laughs> switch on that one. You know, <laughs> completely in the uh, other direction. Oh boy, um, fucking Sharia. So, so he starts talking about Sharia and that, like that, and he says, what he says, there were instances where the leaders were doing things that they weren't, that weren't good, 
and they would have got away with it because at the time they were like all powerful leaders in tribal society and like what are you going to do they've got the they've got the weapons they've got the men yeah but what happens with sharia is that it it's like a law from god right so everybody is subservient to the law of god even the king so he gave an example where like the uh, the islamic rulers of wherever and what it, whenever this was were overtaxing the population they were taxing the shit out of them to fund whatever they were funding but sharia prohibits that you can't you can't overtax the citizens it's prevented by the law of god so now the government can't tax over a certain point because if they do they're breaking the law of god right so he's describing sharia as a check of government power let me say that again he's describing religious law or religion as a check of government power and it kind of blew my mind i can see it i mean it's uh it's definitely interesting i think I could I could use some more of that in today, you know. Exactly. Um, I think if people want to, if people want to choose to constrict themselves with you know religious obligations and moral obligations and things like that, then that's that's fine. Um, it, what was that? I feel like the phone is ringing somewhere. Is it mine? Like, I don't think. Yours, Kyle. See, you, you, f- you fucked up. Schlemiel. Schlemiel. What was I saying? Um, damn it. What were you saying? What were we talking Distractions. about? Distractions. Golly, man. Oh. See, this is like, that was my, I said, uh, it like the around the holidays, like you just got all these fucking obligations. My mom's calling me. Are you coming over? Fucking, <laughs> you coming I'll be over? there. Just fucking don't call in the middle of the goddamn podcast. We're talking about. Sorry, we're talking about government as a check, uh, religion as a check oh, of yeah. government power. Oh, yeah. So I'll tell you why I wanted to talk to you about it. Because you seem like a person, overall, that supports the idea of checks and balances. The more checks on power, the, the better mm-hmm. of government power. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't want them to be overreaching. So the more checks you have on government power, the better. Um, the other part is you also strike me as somebody, up until recently, that would be reluctant to go on board with like religion being bigger like religion should probably be less should be you know smaller like people should be the religious nuts should be you know um marginalized right we we, we you know what i mean like the yeah. extremist and the nut, i mean and i kind of do still feel that way to be honest with you um but i just feel like what are these people even if they believe some okay if you've got some you know, some mega church preacher who you just imagine to be like manipulative and ins- insincere. Yep. Um, and he's got this massive um, congregation of people who honestly believe stuff that is, you know, maybe he's like kind of preaching it in a way that benefits him or it gets them to donate, you know, things like sure. that. Yep. But he's preaching, you know, a religion that's been around for a long time and it's got some good shit in it. Um, I just don't really. Whatever, man. If these people want to believe that, if they, if they, you know, mm. they're big Joel Osteen fans, mm. um, whatever, man. Like, just let those people do that. And they might believe things that I think are wrong. That's okay. I don't care. Um, so I, I love this. I love that you're taking the stance on it because I, because I want to give you a counterexample and see if you okay. change your tune. All right. And I did this on the podcast, so I'm, I'm kind of ruining the episode for you a little bit. But, oh, right. but here it goes. 
you know how you know how you and I were talking a lot about how ideology, political ideology becomes like religion, you know? It's like the 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 more the religion gets dep- like depressed in the culture, the more government fills the gap. So pe- people who ordinarily would have been like a religious nut, instead they're like a political nut, you know? Instead instead of being like, you know, all about Jesus, they're all about AOC or something like that. Yeah. Um that it fills it seems to fill the same the same need that we have this it can you know and so you end up with um po- politicians being treated in a way that's kind of religious you know in in the and the supporters are a little fanatical in this in the way that religious people can be fanatical <coughs> so anyway this is what i was thinking and this is not by the way something that only applies to the left but I just feel like it's going to come out that way. So here we go. Mm-hmm. I was I was talking about how if we consider if we consider how politics is like religion, that this is how it seems to me. In in religion you have you have saints, right? You have people that that embody like an ideal so that people can admire them and want to be like them and usually it's something about them being holy or godly or or whatever or moral or something like that like mother teresa so you've got saints and you've got a priesthood yeah and if you think about how that might be looked at from a political light you can see like politicians um if if i was trying to be conservative i'd say like ronald reagan or something to a libertarian or to an old-fashioned conservative guy i'd say that ronald reagan's kind of like a saint he's kind of like a republican saint yeah, and somebody like Bernie Sanders maybe is like a progressive saint, right? Yeah, and then the and then the Congress, right? They're kind of like a ruling class. They're kind of like a priestly class. They're like this. They're listen, man. They are a a select group of people that specialize in something intellectual, whether it be religion or politics. They specialize in this field. People, they don't have to work the same as everyone else. People pay them to do that, to be holy or to be lifetime politicians. Yeah. They become a priesthood of the church of, you know, democracy, let's say. And then you ask if, I ask if they, if politics has a God. And my answer to that was, it's kind of like the president, but not exactly. It's kind of like the office of the president, because because the office of the president is immortal, like God is immortal. And people can fill that office, but they're just, you know, they come and go, and that's okay. You have this immortal figurehead that's like a living symbol of, of the government. Just like God is a living symbol of life or creation, something like that. And then I ask, do they have a Messiah? Right? Obama. Obama, <laughs> I will stop. I will. What does he say? We will pull back the tides. What does he say? I'm trying. To, I'm trying to put on my Obama voice. Yeah, he said we're gonna. In his acceptance speech or whatever, he's like, we're gonna stop global warming. We're gonna. We're gonna. Today is the day that the sea levels stop rising. You know, Obama, dude. He, he his PR team painted him up like a goddamn messiah. They did yeah, a great job. They did so, to the point where people still hold him in that light, even after he killed a bunch of fucking people in the Middle East, like yeah. more than George Bush. Oh God. So, yeah, you know, they yeah they did a great job. Uh, Obama's an interesting character, man. If you look into him, both of his parents were involved with the CIA and on some level. Oh boy, yeah, yeah, interesting, isn't it? It is interesting. Just makes you wonder. Oh, oh. Um, Barry. Oh, Barry. Uh, 
<laughs> so anyway, um, but yeah, definitely a messiah. Uh, you could definitely see For how sure. you could definitely see how he fits the bill. But you can see how someone like uh, George Washington might fit the bill. Oh yeah, or somebody like um, especially in hindsight. Yeah, yeah, Washington. And, and it's funny too, because like because if you think about Jesus as a messiah and like what he what he did, like taking care of the poor, and you know you can see the progressive and the liberal thread mm-hmm. that runs through a Jesus type character that you see in an AOC or a Bernie type type character. And they are looked upon as like the hope for the future, the hope for change and a new direction and a new Jerusalem and a new this kingdom of heaven. That's how it all sounds to me, man. Yeah, to some degree I agree. Agree. And then I said, do they have a Bible? And I was a little wishy-washy on that because I'm like, we have the declaration, we have the constitution, but they don't really no, not everybody. They don't give not a fuck about those. Not everybody yeah. considers them sacred. They used to, but it's like now it's now it's just the it's the ideology that's the Bible, and yeah. it's, it's not written down anywhere exactly. So it's really fuzzy, man. Mm-hmm. It's like you can never go and check, you know, the book of X, verse one, chapter seven. You fucking liar. There's got to be something though that like makes sense, you know, that like embodies. I don't know what it is though. I'm gonna have to think about that. I, I think it's I think it's certain things. I think it's like a utopian communism type of ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a compassionate and bleeding heart type of ideal. And there's, some, there's lots of good in it. There's, there's, I'm not I'm not bashing it, man. There's lots of good in it. It's it's a it's a well intended sort of thing. Um, but but my point is, it's not can canonized it's not written down and organized it everyone agrees this is the canon it doesn't exist yeah so you can have someone like bernie sanders and somebody like joe biden in the same party it doesn't make any sense to me man yeah it is very confusing it's also i think on purpose that way because you can weasel your way around anything you want you're you're not held to the letter of the law because there's no letter anywhere yeah but here but here's the uh here's the um, punchline uh, I just spit all over the table from the Kyle. <laughs> here's a, here's a punchline. I was thinking about what religion has done, like the impact religions had uh, on the world historically. If I just go back to what we know, and I'm like, go ahead. You, you just, I just wanted to remind you that you you were started this by talking about Sharia law, and you had some kind of a scenario because I took. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, are you getting back to that? Uh, yeah, I'll try to once okay. I finish this. Okay. Once I finish this bit, that, that what that what religions done historically is. Manipulates people's behavior primarily, causes us to behave, causes us to get along. It also causes us to go to war. You know, that's that's something that strategically religion can just somehow do. We're all just gonna, you know, we're all just gonna go go along with it and fucking crusades for fucking a hundred years. Um, that that today that's done politically. Today it's a it's not a it's not a religious you know guilt that gets you to take up arms. It's fanaticism. It's like patriotism and and you know that sort of thing. It's a political um, weapon, not a religious weapon anymore. And yeah. all that shit to me, it's hard for me to tell the difference between a religious perspective and a political perspective. Do you do you agree that that that, that politics has all the components? Oh yeah, for sure. Did it always, or is it only now? Because probably it probably always did, but you just were not thinking about it in that context. I mean, we've been kind of talking about religion as government for a while you know you've mentioned right. that uh so i think that i think it probably always had so where we started with this was you agreeing that people should be free say it again do you remember basically let people, people should be believe allowed. what they want to do like i mean if you, 
Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know the best way to say it. People should. Be, what is the best way to say this? I don't know, man. Um, like it. I I thought this when I was thinking about or when I was listening to your episode on Baha I. It's like when I listen to things in Christianity or things in any religion that I don't agree with, I just try to give it like the most generous interpretation possible. Mm -hmm. Like this is maybe even if they don't understand that this is what they believe, Mm -hmm. this is like why it's compelling to them. I like it. Yep. Um, And I don't know. I just like, I would rather, I would rather people be part of like voluntary religious communities than being forced to be part of this giant community and to take on these values that don't really fucking mean anything to you. So so that, that might be where you, that might be where you make the, the distinction, but, what I was trying to get at was you bringing up like the um, the big uh, the big uh, church uh, with the preacher that's kind of a huckster, yeah. but he's getting a lot of money from people and living really well. And you're like, hey, they should be allowed to follow that guy if they want. They should be their freedom. What I was trying to do was paint up that same religious guy, mm-hmm. make him a politician, and ask you and ask oh, you oh, oh. and ask you then should should we be free to follow that that path? Right. So I think the only difference is that. I maybe the difference between the religious and the political is that I am choosing to be a part of that religious community. If this guy gets elected, he's like my boss somehow, even mm. though he's not really. Yeah, you that, know, that, that's a good point. Um, and it's like I could be a Christian, and some some Muslim could be could could be elected mayor of my city, and then you know, I mean, I really don't give a fuck about that. Right. I, I don't think that. The threat for, I don't know, anything bad going down is really that bad, uh, you know, in a town with a Muslim mayor. It just doesn't really concern me that much, you know. But, I don't know. So, yeah, that's interesting. Um, hold on, I wanted to, while we were talking about this religion as a check of government power idea, I wanted to ask about, I wanted to bring up the example of the Pope, because I did in the podcast. So that's an example where in the height of like monarchies in Europe. You had all these kings all over the place that were very powerful, but even they had to bow to the Pope, right? So, so even those, even those during that time when we basically had dictators all over the, controlling all of Europe, you had a handful of dictators who, you know, could do whatever they wanted, kind of like in the Sharia scenario, they still couldn't do anything they wanted because as soon as the Pope stepped in and said, no, you've actually broken God's law, then the government had to back off. And that actually worked for a while. Until like the Anglican Church broke off and said, "Fuck you guys, we we'll do what we want," and we don't we don't recognize the Pope. When that started happening, the check of power kind of got undermined and went away. But there was a time when there was a religious authority, even in Western Europe, that served as a check on the power of the government. And I'm not saying that they didn't like because I th- I'm pretty sure it was super corrupt anyway, and they were like you know sweetheart deals with each other. The, the the French monarch just pays off the Pope and vice versa, that kind of shit. I'm sure that happened. But you can see you can see you can see how what that guy was talking about with Sharia, that you we kind of had that same similar thing with um the height of like the Catholic Church. Yeah. We don't have it now. You know? Can you imagine the Pope telling the leader of the free world to do anything today? Like, hey, you can't go to war there because of, you know, it's it's not moral or it's against God's law and and you know um, I mean, I just don't think it would be worded that way. It's like you've broken God's law. You're not. You can't do. Well, I don't know, man. I think it might be pretty close to that. Like, 
it, it just the fucked up thing is that the Pope now wouldn't say shit to Joe Biden about doing anything. But like, I think the Pope did speak out about Trump on certain things. Mm. Like, to be fair, the Pope, you know, he's the Pope, so he has to be like maybe a little bit more classy with his criticisms than a lot of people, like right. uh, Kathy Griffin, like holding the dead, you know, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. head. Um, but I just. I don't know. I guess I guess I'm hypocritical because I do want the Pope to speak up on political issues like abortion. Like I just don't understand. I I don't think that you really can be Catholic and be pro-choice. I don't think that you know. I don't know that you can do that. Mm. Um, but the Pope, I don't think he would ever say anything about that. But he spoke out about immigration. He had something to say about mm. immigration. Yeah, it's like it's I, interesting. It's I interesting, know. man. Hmm. Yeah, I think there's still like there's still like a remnant of that. If you like swear in an oath of office and you put your hand on a Bible, like there's still little remnants of that in the culture where it's like even our leaders are still like bowing down to the to the Judeo-Christian law when they take their oath of office. Like they're supposed to be, you know, you know what I mean? It's still there. We just don't we just don't recognize it anymore. Yeah, I mean, not everyone gets sworn in on Bibles anymore. That interesting. But it is interesting that even if it's not a Bible, even if you pick something, I don't know. You, I mean, I think you can kind of pick whatever you want to, to swear in on. Um, it's still interesting that you that that like symbolism is still important for some reason, even if you pick like a fucking comic book. You know? It's so funny you say that because I, I was just trying to. I was just trying to think of a joke, and I was like, uh, "If I ever become president, I'm going to swear in under and with Action Comics number one. I would have to make them bring the what, the Batman. two million dollar comic oh, book yeah. to swear on." Oh boy, what would you swear in on if you became mayor? Uh, I I guess I would swear in on a King James Bible. Yeah, yeah. All right, because I like tradition. I, I'm not like a yeah, yeah. You know, I, I appreciate tradition, man. I think I might go with the Bible too, to be honest with you. I don't even uh, for the same reason. It's like, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna fit? I don't know. What am I gonna pick? A, what? What would I pick other than a Bible? Maybe that. Maybe that big stack of um, <laughs> big stack of uh, what was it? what was those books I bought you the oh, other the day? Mises, the Mises. The Mises books. Yeah. <laughs> that would be good. That, yeah. that would maybe. I don't know, man. Um, I was gonna go. I was gonna ask you something. And I lost it. Fuck. You ever? Would you ever consider running for office? You could oh, do it, man. That's a good question. Um, I, I, I'm not ruling it out, but I don't have any interest in it. Like, the idea of taking on anything, like, on top of what I'm already doing seems, like, fucking impossible. Yeah. Um, but I, I wouldn't rule it out. I wouldn't rule it out. Yeah. I'm not doing it right you now. You shouldn't rule it out. <laughs> I, think, um, I think that if it ever did tickle your fancy, you should get... Deep into um, like that guy Pete Quinones that I've talked to you about, yep, uh, and Hoppe, um, things like that, because they, a lot of those people, and I am like out of the libertarian shit, man, and just politics in general. I don't fucking care anymore, man. Like it, I'm so done with it. It's so frustrating. Um, I mean, I'm sure my interest will probably peak back up again, but f for the time being, just like couldn't care less. Hmm. Um, but what was I? Why was I saying that? I don't know, man. But what you said just brought something to my mind. Is like, for a while, you were much more into that political stuff, and you were you were uh, 
keeping tabs on it and you were involved. Yeah. Um, and then you have waned away from it now. And it reminds me of like that Amit Gawasami guy. We, remember him, yeah, the physicist? Yeah. And he was like, you have to do and then you have to be. Mm-hmm. Do be, do be, do. That's what, that's what he was recommending you do. And there are times where I feel like that. Like I've, I've absorbed so much of something that my interest in it will go away, sometimes abruptly. And I'll, it's like I, I, re, I recognize what I'm doing. It's like you're all filled up. So you're, you're, you're done doing. Now you need to be for a little while. And then I'll just like kind of let it simmer, and I won't think about it. And that's when I'll start to like have new ideas. That's when I'll start to like synthesize those things. Like my subconscious is processing all that shit. And that may be where it is at, at this point, man. You've had so much politics, and now at this point you're like, you know, it's boring. I just need to. I'm about to level up. Is you're what you're about, saying. You're about to. Your hair is yeah, going to become yeah. very blonde. It's going to start, start to stand screaming. on end. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to start screaming for 30 minutes yeah. with with 14 commercial breaks. Building up my power move, my whatever, <laughs> whatever it's called. All right, I got two. I got two more things if you want to. Sure. Um, one of them is maybe. Oh, I do remember. I was just going to oh, say yeah. uh, the reason I was bringing up like listening to Pete Keenan on it. You know who I'm trying yes. to say. And uh, Hoppe, it's like, because I do think that um, that's the most effective way of actually making a change is like doing it like in your city. You know, don't try to run for president, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like become mayor and yeah. then fucking fire everyone. Yeah. You know, city council, school board. Yeah. Hi, and, and then bring in people who are going to do things the way that you you want them to be done. Yeah. I mean, that's what everybody does, I think. But nobody does it in the way I, yeah. I would do it, exactly. <laughs> or a libertarian would do it. Well, I think a lot of people come in and they just kind of largely continue business as usual. You know, it's like maybe they're going to tweak a few things, right. but what's the easiest? Nobody makes any like yeah. real changes. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being being elected into office for the first time and coming in there like one of those reformers that's like, "Hey, I'm an outsider. I'm going to do good because I'm not." Like everybody else, I'm not corrupt like all these other people. And then you get there, and you don't know the first thing about what the first thing you should do is. And everybody who's there are the people that you have been talking shit about for the yeah. whole campaign. Yeah. And you're like, now you got to rely on these people or start from scratch. How fucking scary that would be. That would be scary. God. That's a good point. Yeah, you you spent your entire campaign being like, I'm getting rid of all of these fucking people. <laughs> and then it comes time to like make things happen. You're like, hey, you fucking people, look, can you help me out here, man? What <laughs> That's the- fucking funny. Um, you don't know where to find any of the forms. You don't know where the you don't know where the lists are. But just like theoretically, you could become the mayor of a city, and then like you appoint the police chief, and it's like we're not enforcing any drug laws. Like I mean, I know that there are laws, yada yeah. yada, but we're not doing any of that yeah, shit. Yeah, man. You know that's awesome. That would be awesome. Would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what else you got? Well, I got I got two more. One of them is kind of loosely related to something we already talked talked about in. So when I was visiting my family uh, yesterday, the the idea, the topic came up about the way my podcast, our podcast, and the way that uh, I talk about God. Yeah. And my mom, very much to the way your mom reacted, she's just like, you know, she said, when you talk about it, sometimes it makes sense. But the idea that it might be true upsets my mom, it upsets her. And what I mean is, I talk about being God, not not by myself or anything, but I talk about everything, you know, all of existence being being God, kind of 
in, in a way that's hard to define that, you know, I've said a million times, and if we get into it, we're going to derail. But just imagine that everything is God. That's what I try to tell my mom. And she said, as she's getting older, and she's starting to realize that her time is count, counting down, that that idea deeply depresses her, that she's, that she's God, that we're all God, and that it's like she thinks that when she dies, she gets to go and meet God. Oh. She gets to be in his presence and okay. in heaven. And that when I tell her that that's here and now, that's crazy, man. that she has nothing to look forward to, no reward for her good deeds, no, no eternity, and you know, makes sense. And it's deeply depressing to her. You know? I can see where she's coming from on that. That's what I, I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask. I, I, I mean, it's weird because putting myself in her shoes, I can see how that would be a deeply depressing idea. That being said, coming to the realization. I don't even know what realization I've come to, but you know, like the shit that you talk about all the time. I mean, I I largely believe the same way. And coming to that, you know, conclusion or whatever the fuck you want to call it, um, has been like, it's been good. You know, it's been like, uh, it's made me feel better about that sort of thing. Me too. Me too. You know, it makes me feel like the way I imagine, like, this is going to be probably racist. I'm sorry. The way I, the way I imagine like Native Americans thought that the way that they saw the world. Now this is all like Disney's Pocahontas in my mind. This is why I mean when I say I don't want to mean to be insulting, but I imagine like Native American tribes living close to the earth and close to nature, and believed that that the cosmos was imbued with spirits and everything was somehow alive or conscious. The river, the trees, the the sky. And that that everything was sacred. That they lit. That they were a sacred th- creature living in this sacred place. Mm-hmm. And everything they did was imbued with holiness and and magic. And that's how they saw the world. And my hair standing on my arms again because it fucking get it revs my engine. The idea that you could live and see the world that way. Something rings true about that. That comes from the mystic experience. Yeah. That that is how things are. Everything is God, you know. Um, where was I going with this? Um, I don't know, man. You were talking about your mom. Oh, uh, yes. So I'm 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 a youngish man, right? So if, so the idea that I don't know youngish, I said ish. Okay. So so the idea that I have all these years to live, where I can think that, and I can exist and breathe in God. And and rock my rock baby God to sleep, and eat my God for breakfast, and enjoy all of the sacred everything in my life, and view it as as sacred and experience of God. That's if you could literally get your head into that place, your life would be amazing. Your life would be magic. Every day would be would be amazing. And there are times where it feels like that to me. But then I but then I ask my mom to consider that when she's lived her those years already, and she doesn't get to look forward to being God for another, you know, beautiful lifetime. She's, you know, her life's hard. She's in pain. She's older, you know. So now it's like she, she, did, she didn't have that frame of mind. Those years are now gone, and now you're telling her there's no heaven. It's like, God damn, you pissed in her Cheerios. And that's what, that's, that's, that's what I did to her, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's the difference, is that I get to look forward to this experience uh, of being sacred and being here and being conscious and participating. See, I think being conscious is participating in God. That's what I believe, and that's what I'm doing right now, and that's what we're all doing. 
That's what you're doing when you're jerking off in the dark in the bathroom. That's what you're doing when you're when you you know you're. I do not jerk off in the bathroom. <laughs> oh, oh, you don't? No. Oh, you don't have kids yet. You don't have kids yet. It's hard, it's hard to find privacy, man. Sure, I can imagine. Uh, anyway, I pissed in her Cheerios. Told her there was no heaven. Kind of. I didn't tell her that, but I kind of did. I don't. I don't actually disbelieve in heaven. I just don't think it's a place. Yep. You know. Yep. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I. It's just hard for me to. Um. It's hard for me to put myself in the shoes of somebody who believes that stuff literally. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Like I said earlier, I don't. Uh, 10 years ago, I would have been like, you're fucking dumb. I mean, I wouldn't have said that to your mom because I love your mom. But, like, to anybody else who, like, I didn't have some kind of affinity for, I'd be like, you're dumb. You're fooling yourself. Um, It's all bullshit and you've convinced yourself of some story. Um, Now That's the Kyle I know and like. (laughs) Now I don't necessarily feel that way. I mean, I still don't think it's literally true, you know, all of it. Mm -hmm. Um but I don't think that people who believe that it is are dumb. That's, you know, that's the best I can say. Um, yeah. But I don't really remember why I was saying it. I told you, I feel off my game today. I'm just, like, forgetting, losing my train of thought all no, the time. That's okay. I got one I got one other thing we can talk about. Um, D- before we go there, I think uh, you talking about your mom, you brought my mom up. Yeah. Um, we got to get my mom back on the podcast. So we, we should do that soon. Yeah. Um, we're we gonna have your brother on too. Yeah, he definitely wants to come back on. We should, we should, we should definitely do that. Both of them, either together, separately, or both. Yeah, but we should. All right, cool. W- what do you have in mind for your mom's? Like more of this kind of like religion talk? Or? Well, yeah, I want to hear. I want to hear you try to convince my mom that she's got. I want to try to convince your yeah. mom that she's got. Um, but not if it's gonna piss in her Cheerios. No, my mom. She, I mean, I, you're not going to convince her. I know that much. Um, but. Mm-hmm. She, I think, especially because it's you, she'll receive it. Yeah, it's not, she won't be that bad. See, I'm in a, I'm in a unique position to yeah. be able to talk to her. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. We'll do that for sure. I mean, I, I like I said, there's no way you're going to convince her that she's got. But challenge accepted. All right, all right. So I've got another topic. This one is uh, borders like on the psychological, so it's that kind of thing. But I want to ask you about it. And you might find the whole premise bullshit. That's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid you might you might poo-poo the premise and not even be, t- be able to take it to the right, place I want to take it. All right. So, you know, I, so I've got young kids, and uh, my, my oldest one's in school, and so I'm, like, spending time doing homework with her. Yeah. And I don't know how she is in school, but at home, she doesn't want to do it. <laughs> she doesn't want to do it, man. It's like pulling teeth to get her to sit down and do work. Not like I didn't expect it. Like, she's a kid. I, when I was a kid, didn't want to do homework. It's not like it's a surprise to me. But what is, what is a surprise is how difficult it is to rein her in. And this is what I found. You know how we were talking, I was describing my youngest daughter earlier as selfish. But what I meant by that is just that she's young and doesn't really understand other people and other needs and so, social you know, standards. She's all about herself and she wants what she wants and she's thick-headed and she's, you know, that's how she's all about getting what she wants. She's, you know, she's barely past baby being a baby. And that's how they are. They have a need. They want it satisfied. That's all they care about because yep. there's nothing more to their lives. <coughs> and so when things get added to your lives, you know, to your life, it starts to put that shit in perspective. And what I noticed is that my oldest daughter doesn't have discipline yet. Uh-huh. Right? I've got it. 
I take it for granted. So when she, I can't get her to like do a couple math problems or write a couple words, I start to get frustrated. Yeah. And I try to put myself back in that stage. And I'm like, you got to remember, you know, she doesn't have discipline yet. And I feel bad disciplinary as being a disciplinarian and disciplining the girls, partly because of girls. And I, I, and I love them. And I don't want to be the bad guy. And I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to make them cry. I don't want to spank them, right? I don't want to do any of that shit. I love them. I just want to make them happy and smile. I just want to be the good dad. But that's only half the job. The other half of the job is doing what you got to do, man. And part of that is teaching her discipline. So the other day we're doing homework. And she's fucking off and fucking off. And I'm reining her in, reining her in. And then after like 20 minutes of a job that should have taken probably eight minutes, she starts to cry. I made her cry because I'm being stern with her and not letting her do what she wants. And I feel really bad because I made my daughter cry. And it, it, there's no fucking, there's no guidebook to this, man. This is what I realized. She doesn't have discipline yet. So I'm teaching it to her by being that way. I'm disciplining her and she's like mapping it. She's like learning what does it mean to be disciplined. Daddy keeps making me go back to this and do it and do it right and do it this way. And she, he, and I'm not allowed to stop even though I don't want to stop. She's like learning all of this stuff. Yeah. And it's like building up this idea of discipline. It's interesting that we say it that way, that you're getting disciplined, you know, because you think about that almost as like you're being punished. Yeah. But it's no, it's like you're being organized. Yes. You know? Yes. That's a it's good distinction. It's a good distinction, man. Yes, organized. Yes, that's a, that's a good way of putting it. So, I feel like she's learning it from me, and I'm like I'm giving her the pattern. I'm the example, and she's mapping it. She's she, you know, how kids are they're absorbing it, they're sucking it in, and what she's learning is a skill. And I'm trying to teach her. You got your thoughts have to be one, moving in one direction. Your actions have to be in line with your thoughts, and you have to do this task, you know. And it's all new to her, and so that's why it's frustrating, and that's why it takes time because she's learning it. But here's this is where I want to go. I feel like when I'm dead and she's an adult, there is a spirit. This is where I think I'm going to lose you. There is a spirit (coughs) in my daughter that is me. And it's the spirit of the father, like Jordan Peterson would say. Um, And it's the spirit of discipline. And it's like she's going to have her own discipline one day. She's going to have that skill. She's going to have it mastered. And whenever she uses it, whenever she taps into it, whenever she needs to be disciplined and she goes into discipline mode, that it is daddy, that it is something I taught her. It is a thousand memories of the kind of shit I just described to you about getting her to do her homework. And, you know, it's like she's going to be relying on this image of me. Mm-hmm. And I, so this is what, this is what made me come up with this idea is that I thought to myself when I'm, when I felt bad about making her cry, I said, don't feel bad. You are her discipline right now. And then I'm like, oh, shit. I might be her discipline forever. Mm-hmm. Like, what I'm doing, I'm, I, I am her discipline. And when I'm dead and gone and no longer here, I'm still her discipline somehow. It's like these things that I'm doing now are still going to be her discipline. Does that make any fucking sense, yeah, man? it makes sense to me. I think, um, you know, we, a, a while ago, many episodes back, we talked about humans thinking in images, you know? Yes. And I just think about, like... You know, her in the future, she's, you know, got some daunting task in front of her that's accomplishable, but it's going to take some work, you know, and it's time to like buckle down and get that done. And that like, even if she's not like literally a picture of you is popping up in her mind, it's just like that, um, 
Like it's almost like you're a like the disciplined talisman. You know what I mean? See, that, that's why I called it spirit. Yeah. Because when they, people say like when your parents die, they're not they're not gone. They're always with you, and you think that's a platitude. It's just something to make. It's you just feel trying better. to make you feel better. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, I think it's not a platitude. Yeah. I think it's real, and I think you're right it, that it's not an image of me that pops in her head, but it's everything she learned from it that's ingrained into her subconsciously that came from me. Mm-hmm. And even though, even though it doesn't seem like it's a, a, a recollection of me, it 100% is. And that's a way in which I am alive in her even when I'm gone. Mm-hmm. And that's something that she's going to teach to her kids if she has them, or maybe you know strangers that she has interactions with, or whatever it is. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to continue. And that when people talk about spirit, that there's something more legit about that than we, than we admit. There's something about that that is, is real. Yeah, and I'm not saying spirit in a way that's hippy dippy or new agey. I'm saying there's something in her subconscious that's been programmed in by you know by memory and you know uh, repetition and you know uh, meaning and value that I've instilled in her that's permanent and that's that that didn't come from her that came from me and, and lots of other places. It's fucking magical in some hard to define way. Yeah. Here's the question I want to ask you about that, seeing as how you've gone along with me. This far, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So the idea that I'm her discipline, and when that she's going to have to rely on that, and I want to ask you about your life experience and times when you needed to be disciplined and how long it took you to master that. Do you feel like your parents were your discipline? Did they teach it to you? Did they not? Did that affect? Hell no. <laughs> did that affect how you became as an adult and the challenges you had when you were growing up? Um, I, I would just like to preface this by saying I in no I have no intention of like bitching about my parents. I did enough of that uh, when I was younger. At this point, my problems are on me. I'm an adult. I you know I am in charge of my life at this point. Um, right on. That being said, no, not at all. Like I mean, I was I wasn't a bad kid. I was I was for the most part, a pretty good kid, but I definitely had, um, a little bit of a rebellious streak in me. And also, um, I don't know. I don't know if I was lazy or if I just like, um, I don't know what it was, but I, this is exactly why I wanted to ask you because, because the struggles you had in school. So, so it's like you could have buckled down and you could have done it. There's no doubt in my mind. You're a smart guy. You're, yeah. you're smarter than 50% of those kids you graduated with. And you didn't. And I'm wondering is like, was it not modeled for you? Did you not have that resource? And did you notice it at the time? And are you resentful about it? That's the kind of shit I wanted to ask you so about. So one thing, it's easier for me to look at my youngest brother, his experience in school, and be like, what the fuck were you guys doing? You know? Um what do you mean by that? Did he, he have an easier time or harder time? Or so my brother had an IEP. Would, you know what that is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's my, like, my, my brother had one. Yeah, so I don't even know what it stands for anymore. I've completely forgotten. I don't either. Yeah. But it, it, it it's, um I don't know, some kind of like a, an exemptment or, um I don't know, like a pass for you, for people with, you know, difficulties in learning. They get like special privileges, right. you know, they get to go to a special classroom that's like more quiet yeah, they get and longer for tests. fewer people. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. 
So my brother had an IEP, and the IEP class, they basically helped him cheat his way through high school. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, so it's like, what the... F- what? You know, like, you've got this pretend stated goal of bettering kids and, like, educating them, but, like, you're directly, you know, cutting their legs out from under them. And not only are you... Not only are you making it to where they're not learning this this bullshit that you think that they should be taught, but you're also making it to where you're like, I I can't do this thing without help. You know, like you're giving them like a complex. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, uh, it. That's just oh, okay. I was wondering what the there's a noise. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. So it's easier for me to look at what happened with him. But I mean, looking back at myself, it's like there were definitely teachers who knew that I was not like a dumb kid, you know. Um, but it was hard for them to get through to me. I didn't want to listen to anyone, to be fair. Um, I had my ideas of what was going on. Uh, and I was just like, well, I don't know, man. It's hard. But I was just a stubborn little asshole, basically. I mean, yeah, well, I know that. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just, uh, like, I think about my, I, you know, you just try to be better than your parents were. And so I'm, I'm thinking about that. You know, I want to be better. Yeah. And so I, I think about, like, if my parents were like that for me, if they demonstrated that for me. And there are examples. I can give you examples where they did and maybe examples where they didn't. But it's just interesting the impact that sort of stuff has on you. I don't think that I can give you and. I feel bad. I hope my mom doesn't listen to this one. But um, and again, I it's whatever. I'm not like blaming her for you know my place in life or anything like that. But I think um, I don't. I think about it, and I'm not sure that I can give you a single instance of my mom like disciplining me in a way that was like effective. You know, uh, literally, I don't think I can think of a single time. Yeah, and so as a parent. I, I, I get it, man. It's like, first of all, boys are hard, um, yeah. you know, um, and no kids are, no two kids are alike, mm-hmm. you know? And when you're like a young parent, you know, like if you just have one kid for the first time, like it, what if you get like a really bad one at first? Oh, yeah. you, you just, you're not prepared for a good one. You're definitely not prepared for a bad one. It's parenting is not, it's not an easy job. So I'm not, I'm not criticizing it, you know, anybody for anything, but, uh, I was just curious about, about that. Just curious about that idea. Yeah, I think, um, like, thinking about what you you did with your daughter, like, sitting there and putting in the time and being like, concentrate on this, like, keep redirecting, keep redirecting, Mm -hmm. concentrate on this. Um, I, you know, basically my mom would just fucking scream at me for, you know, five to ten minutes and then, you know, then continue cooking dinner or whatever the fuck else she was doing, you know? Yeah, yeah. And... That doesn't, like, help. That doesn't, like, change somebody's mind, you know? It's just, like, I, basically, my mindset was I just have to wait out this this yelling, and then it's, okay. Yeah, you know? you're right back, right back in square one. Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, listen, I feel like, you know, I don't want to say anything bad about your mom. I love your mom. And, Melissa, I don't mean anything by that. I just, uh, you know, it's just the idea that, listen, man, I guess I'm thinking, uh, thinking more about death. I'm thinking more about my own mortality or or desire for immortality or something and the idea that you make impacts on people that become a part of the, them in ways that are inseparable it makes me feel better it makes me feel better and uh i just wondered 
if I could get you to, if I could get you to, to bite on that and, it, and then, and then if I could, what, you know, what you might think about that in your own life, you know, that was the example that came to my mind about discipline just because I was doing the homework with, and I was, you know, it was part of my yeah. recent experience, you know? Yeah. I got nothing, man. What do you, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have anything either. I just hate to wrap it, wrap it up on a, on a. Down, Fucking bummer, dude. Bummer on a down note. Uh, you know, it's not really a down note. I, I, I don't think it is. I mean, I just look at it as people are doing the best they can, you know? And, and especially it's like, yeah, I mean, you could say that about like Epstein, you know? Dude's just out there doing the best he can, oh, you know? Like, but, but when it comes to the, like, the level of a mother, you know, my mom wasn't a single mother. In some ways, she might as well have been. Yeah. Um, not financially, you know. My dad was there financially, but my like, you know, I was talking about my mom screaming at me for school. I can't remember my dad talking to me about school ever <laughs> a single time. Oh, so, um, but uh, you know, it's just like she was doing what she could do. He was doing what he could do, working, to, you know, working to pay the bills. Yep. So it's just you know. Why you know what man? They probably did a better job than their Absolutely. parents. Absolutely, I was and, just gonna say better that. than their, And if as long as we can keep making incremental improvements, the world will be a better place, man. At what point did the improvements become like detrimental? You know, at one point, at what point did the improvements cause us to be living in a world where we're uh, living in VR? You mm. know, we've improved too much. We need to like revert. Mm. Are we there yet, Kyle? I don't know. No, I don't know either. <laughs> well, there you have it. That's one avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know. It's not easy work. Thinking. It's hard and full of uncertainties, but I'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together. Here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze. See what I did there? Let's find out together in the next episode. And goodbye.